I guess we'll go. I okay. feel like I am uniquely... I feel like we're rushing into this one uniquely unprepared, but that's okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Especially because I didn't know that we were recording today. <laughs> um, I found that out like 15 minutes before. <laughs> I usually come off the game pretty hot. Like, I usually finish the game day of. But this feels... I don't know. We'll find out. Welcome to Analog Stick, a PlayStation 2 podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS2 title. We cover the game's history, not development, discuss its legacy, and share our thoughts and opinions on the game through a modern lens. We, we offer we, we, you a crumb of the development A crumb history. of development you get, you get three bullet points. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> mostly just the most paraphrased version of the wikipedia page yeah. that you can muster um we release a new episode on the second of every month so subscribe or follow if you'd like to stay up to date on the show please support the podcast by leaving a review or rating on whatever platform you like to listen on you can find us on podcast platforms and youtube as analog shtick i'm your host clayton joined as always by my childhood rival morgan morgan how are you um, I think that we need to, um, have a fight to the death over who gets to name the gummy ship. Okay. I, I, you were going with Donald on that one, I think, right? What? I thought you were going to be, I thought you were going to do a, a Riku impression, but oh, that's okay. Um, shit. What's a Riku line? I'm thinking. Uh, this Maleficent chick seems all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something he definitely. He says that. He, he does say that. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't think of any um iconic riku lines but i you know you could be like sulking after seeing your former best friend hanging out with a, a random duck and dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh he's man. replaced me <laughs> yeah um with these anyway. animals <laughs> with these animals with these fucking animals i watched a little recap video just to like make sure i i took in all the story information and uh, it was nice and animated and they uh Instead of, you know, drawing Goofy and Donald as they are presented, just used a realistic dog and duck. That's amazing. In a hat. Good. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. Please continue to write into the show. You can leave a comment on YouTube or Spotify or email us at analogstickmail at gmail.com. The first link in the description. Just like Luke on Spotify. Luke left a comment on our Final Fantasy X video saying, Never played it, but you two have a wonderful dynamic, and I love hearing your perspectives on both video games as well as all the other things you guys talk about, which is probably about half the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love it all. Please do more long episodes. We have another another vote for long episodes. It's uh, really divided right now. Uh, they will be both an hour long and 10 hours long, depending on the game, so... We're appeasing everybody, Right. I think. You just have to just deal with it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How long will this one be? We don't know. We don't it's know. It's a bit of dramatic irony because the <laughs> audience knows, but we don't know. Yeah. We never know uh, when we set out we to never record know. these. We're like, it, it is. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. We're following a script. We really should know, but we don't. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Luke. Oh, yeah. I did a uh, Spotify poll as well. Um, yes. This is a feature I can do now. Um, so I did it and I said who would win in a fight to the death, to the death, Goofy or Donald. I mean, Donald won by a landslide. It was a bit of a softball that I tossed up to the audience. I mean, there was one right answer there. Yeah. Well, also, I think there is a lore reason that is the very strong contender as to like why Donald would win that you were not aware of. Mm -hmm. I don't think. 
Oh, I just assumed it was because Goofy didn't have what it took to, you know, take a life. So I don't feel bad explaining this because Kingdom Hearts Don't 3, feel bad. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3 is not going to be part of this podcast, I don't think. As far as or part of my life, most likely. But yeah, probably. Um, so in Kingdom Hearts 3, Donald casts a spell called Zeta Flare, which is like, like in in terms of like how powerful that is. It's like the gods in Final Fantasy games can only cast Zeta Flare. Like Zeta Flare is like a catastrophic amount of power. And it does kill him to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But he is capable of unlocking the, um, the magical power that is equivalent to like what a god would have. So, or a summon in Final Fantasy would have. So there you go. It's probably this. A good good justification to say Donald would win. Does does Bob Iger know what this studio is doing to his <laughs> precious characters? Are the, is he aware? Y- yes. Well, because I know, like at least for Kingdom Hearts three, I'm assuming for a lot of them they had like a lot of consultation back and forth with Disney. But I know, like I know at least animators, Disney animators helped um, helped consult like kingdom parts three stuff um and I, I think like disney has to like write off on everything that they do man so if you told if you told me that square just for some weird reason american copyright law does not apply to japanese game developers and they just yoinked these characters oh and were doing whatever they wanted with them i'd find that more believable than what is reality which is that disney signed off on this stuff they did yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. They're they're just trying to cover their tracks from that like Nazi propaganda video or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think technically Disney owns the Kingdom Hearts IP, like not the Final Fantasy characters, but the Disney stuff and like the the Kingdom Hearts original stuff. I think is I so think like Disney Sora is a Disney character. I think so. That's fucked up. Well, <laughs> it is what it is. All right. Yeah polls i'll probably put up more polls because i love democracy i'll probably think of something dumb so if you're on spotify please vote i guess Um, exercise your right to vote morgan i have one bit of random bullshit that i would like to discuss with you okay um and it is ps2 related so we're not getting completely sidetracked with home renovations or anything like that um (laughs) I uh I acquired a a memory card to end all memory cards I guess is the best way to say it it is the Memcard Pro 2 by I already forgot uh 8-bit mods 8-bit mods is that the Ukrainian mods. No that's re- that's okay. uh that's something else Okay I forgot it's something else uh bear with me <laughs> uh i should just type in memcard pro 2 man <laughs> yeah, try googling the name of the thing that would probably help yeah that would yes 8-bit mods all right okay yeah we're good so they made um for the ps1 and the gamecube they made very similar products it's basically just a very advanced memory card that you know connects straight into the actual memory card port but has like a screen built in wi-fi capabilities so you can control it from your pc and like make other changes to it and stuff and uh the main feature is that it 
saves game data to an SSD or not an SSD, an SD card. So that basically opens it up to be like, okay, this is the only memory card you need because I mean, normally a memory card for the PS2 is like eight megabytes. Yeah. So they were sticking small. a 64 gig yeah, card in there and it's, it's good to go. Um, and what it does, it, it doesn't like just, it's like, okay, now I have a 64 gigabyte memory card. It, because that's, I, I, I guess you can't really do that. Also, I think with some of the larger memory cards, I think that like saving can take longer and stuff like that. So what it does is it automatically creates, or at least the way I have it set up is that it automatically creates a new memory card for each individual game that you load. So each individual game has its own little virtual memory card built in there. Hmm. And it does it all automatically. It's very nice. So I mean, not that space is insanely, it is a little, if you play a lot of games like we do for this show, um, I guess save data can kind of be an issue. I know for Final Fantasy X, I did have to start overriding saves because I didn't have enough room. Oh, really? And I wasn't going to, yeah, because I was making a new save every time. Mm -hmm. And then I got to like 50 or something and it's like, okay, now I got to. I got to overwrite some of these saves. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be nice for stuff like that, like RPGs and stuff where you're making ideally a lot of save. Yeah. Points. So, very cool. I'm curious about the capability of transferring saves to and from PCSX2 and an actual ps2 yeah that's what i was it curious is about. doable okay there is a conversion that needs to happen though mm. because pcsx2 doesn't save exactly the same way that a actual ps2 saves so it's a little unique also another fun feature with this i know that you're not into like the actual ps2 modding in any way but uh, previously, the way that you would load into the bit of software that would allow you to load games from your hard drive, mm -hmm. uh, you needed a basically like a hacked memory card. And the way that the PS2 is set up to work is that it will scan the memory card first mm -hmm. to see if there is an OS update. It's a feature that Sony never used, but they set up the ps2 to be able to do that if they ever needed to update the os oh that's smart. and yeah so they could basically update the os through new memory cards but it's not like a permanent thing it just reads it once so if you take out the hacked memory card it, it's a normal ps2 again um but before what that meant was you needed to have two memory cards in the ps2 at all times uh, which isn't a big deal but it is for one specific use case, which I'll get into. Okay. Um, so you had a hacked memory card, and then you had the actual memory card that you saved your games and stuff to. Now, for a fat PS2 where you're loading games off the hard drive, this is like a non-issue because you don't need an extra memory card slot. But for a PS2 Slim that does not have that hard drive uh, like slot, a lot of people... Um, would use a memory card based solution for loading games that is like somewhat recent but it required like basically swapping memory cards because you would have a free mcboot 
hacked memory card mm -hmm. and then the memory card that you load your games from and then you would have to load free mcboot and then load the game through that memory card and then take out the free mcboot card and stick in an actual card so you could save your game so it was a bit of a hassle but with this it's now a nice like all-in-one solution because you can load free mcboot from that memory card and then, then it automatically switches to the game's memory card after you load the game which means that if you have a ps2 slim you can just have the ps or the uh, mem card 2 in slot one and then you can stick the uh, i forget what it's called it has a specific name but the uh, memory card that lets you load games off of just have both of those in there and you're good to go. You have a like a really nice setup for a PS2 Slim now. Oh, nice. So, so like no more no more having to like swap out. No more swapping. Okay. No more swapping and swapping. I m would like to try this. I've been toying around with the idea of setting up a living room PS2. Oh. And this would be a nice way to do it because then I wouldn't need to get like do the whole hard drive installation yeah. thing. It's the hard drive is like cool because it's you know, big and it's fairly easy. You just need like the, uh, like a, an aftermarket adapter basically. But if you want to add more games to it, you do have to like unscrew it all, take out the hard drive, slot it into like a, a SATA to USB adapter, Jeez. load games on it through like a specific software. But the, uh, PS2, like the PS2 slim loading games off of, an SD card sticking it in that memory card converter. That sounds like way sleeker. I yeah. don't know. I, 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 might try it. I might try it. I don't know if I can justify <laughs> buying a second PS2 just so I can play games like 20 feet away from where I currently play games. Yeah. But, but would, you, would you be able to enjoy more time with your wife that way? Yeah, that's how I could pitch it to the missus. I could... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, but think about all the time we can spend together. Yeah. And sometimes it gets hot up here in the summer. I want to play games downstairs where it's cooler. Yeah. That sounds know. nicer. On a big screen? Yeah. And Perhaps. then you can, um, after you get all that set up, then you buy a house and then that setup becomes irrelevant because mm -hmm. whatever house you move into might be different. And then you have yes. two modded PS2s. For some reason. They're probably right next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> You're just maybe on top of each other. Yeah. Just yeah. completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to play this. I want to play the PS2 Slim version of yeah. this game. It looks the same, but I want to play it on that. <laughs> oh, man. I, house hunting will happen eventually. Yep. I don't, I don't know. I assume we'll have an office, but I would like to have... I don't know where my gaming space will be. Like, every time I, like, imagine... You know, a house layout. I'm, oh, God damn it. We already got back to like home renovations and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can't escape it. No. But I haven't really like pictured what my like gaming setup would be like in a home. Cause I, in my, in my head, I picture a lot of rooms that I actually want no electronics in. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm like the living room, ideally. No, just, chairs like it's a it's not a, a TV place nah i don't know like if if there's if there's one living room and no like downstairs living room 
then oh, okay. I guess we'll consolidate that. I feel like ideally, if you end up in a situation where you have, you know, like the upstairs, I don't know if this is an American thing or what, but like the upstairs living room and then the downstairs equivalent, it's like the, uh, the upside down version. I don't know, but a lot of American houses have two living rooms. Um, kind of, I don't know what you call that. Is it a living room still downstairs? I, I've always called it one, but I don't, I, we always just say the basement. I mean, it's just the. Yeah, but the basement's like the floor, you know, it's like what? the level of the house. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Uh, well, also, it's not like not everybody has a basement with like th- that's like finished and that has like a place to hang out. There's a ton of houses that don't have finished basements or they have a creepy murder basement or no basement mm-hmm. at all. They just have like a single floor like mm-hmm. in where we where we are. Most houses, I would say, have basements. Yes, because we live in tornado country. Yes. Um, I feel like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying, like a lot of unfinished basements, but I feel like even in the unfinished basements, you see the layout for what is meant to be, what, what is space for a downstairs living room. Yeah, not for like, sorry, I'm thinking about like the old houses. <laughs> like in the I don't think I've town. ever seen, I just got to say, I don't think I've ever seen a house in the Midwest with a basement that didn't have like what could be called a downstairs living room. Okay. See, I've been in a decent handful of Victorian houses and that's where you have the very um, tight murder basement, brick wall, dirt floor stuff. There's a weird toilet in the corner. I just hit my mic. There's a weird <laughs> toilet in the corner for some reason. No idea why. Um, mm. So that, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, sorry. I don't have to like debate you on basements. Anyway. Basement. Y- your point is that you would like a secondary living room in mm-hmm. the basement with the TV in it. Yes. Okay. I would like the upstairs basement to be a simplified. We don't need to have a, ha- another room with a TV in it necessarily. Okay. It's just... The place that I imagine we sit when we have company and stuff like that, or we sit to not watch a show or just read or something like that, okay. or talk or something. I don't really know. Okay. Maybe that's where the bookshelves are. I'm not positive. The bookshelf's got to go somewhere. They I do. would like a little library aesthetic, some room maybe, maybe a study aesthetic. Mm, I don't. A I don't study, really yes. know. I don't really know, but. Yeah, I haven't really given too much thought. I assumed the gaming would happen just downstairs. I don't know. I don't know. Where do you do most of your gaming now that you have a home with multiple rooms? Um, In my office. That's not good. Yeah. Kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's not on my Switch, um, it's it's in the office. Just because like, like taking like my PS3, for example, and like because we my husband and I. So we have a projector in the basement. Um, we have a TV mm-hmm. in the upstairs living room. We have a projector in the basement. Hooking it, hooking my consoles up to like the surround sound system thing in the basement is kind of a pain, especially mm. with the PS3 because it. Do you need the optical the audio, audio out? Hmm? Do you need to use that like optical audio? Out? I have no idea. 
All I know is that when I moved my PS3 between the two, it messed with the audio settings. So when I plugged it into like my monitor, the sound wasn't coming out anymore because it was like expecting audio from like a different, a different, mm. whatever. I don't know. What to, I don't know anything about audio. And I was like, my PS3 is broken. And then I had to do a bunch of googling and figure out. Oh, I need to go down this like <laughs> rabbit hole of PS3 menus and then uncheck all these boxes to put it back and i'm like well that's a big hassle because i'm mm-hmm. lazy anyway <laughs> like you're you, i know we've had this discussion before where like you are very good at deciding what you want for a setup you you constantly are tweaking the setup to be just exactly how you want it and to serve the purpose that you want it where i am the floor gremlin yeah you are the floor yeah, so we are opposites yes we are yeah <laughs> diametrically opposed on this correct <laughs> um yeah, I and you like to have your stuff up there because there's a lot of like I don't know downtime at your job or yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, yes, I get that. So, but yeah, it's also good to spread out. You know. Yeah. No, I I get it. yeah. There's there's a lot of times where like when I'm, you know, done working for the day, I can't stand being in my office anymore. So I just yeah. don't engage with anything in my office. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, yeah, that is a little bit difficult. It's almost like you would need. I wonder if you and Sage could set up like. Maybe like one spot in the living room, one spot in the basement that is basically meant to be like a hot swappable place for a console. You get what I'm saying? Kinda. Yeah. Like well, it's got yeah. it's, it's got a little like extension cord right there. It's got like an AV cord. And an HDMI cord right there. I don't know. Yeah, no, that would be that would be helpful because yeah, the current cable management situation is a little buck wild, but mm-hmm. you know, it's how it goes. What can you do? Be the floor troll, floor gremlin. Simple and clean. I don't know. You can't all be simple. I was gonna say you can't always be simple and clean. Try to tie hey, it back in. Yeah, bring it back around. Yeah. <laughs> Did you listen to the Japanese version of the song? Oh the no, I didn't. Okay. Do we need to do this live? I sent it to you via text message quite a while ago, I think. Yeah, should I just type in Japanese simple and clean or Japanese well, Kingdom Hearts kind of opening? A, I don't know why. Like on YouTube, I couldn't find it. All I could find was that really crunchy video of it. You said you sent me on Discord or text? It was a text. I'm seeing if I can links. Oh, I found it. <laughs> like immediately. Okay. Okay, I'm going to send it to you via Discord, so it'll be easier Perfect. for you to pull it up on your computer. And I will also listen to it at the same time. Mm-hmm. As a side note, I did this thing with YouTube because I'm like, I want to not look at my phone constantly. And yeah. I've already kind of eliminated a lot of things that cause me to look at my phone constantly. But the one thing that I was just like, could not justify getting rid of uh, was YouTube. And I was finding that I use YouTube as just like an endless minefield distraction for my eight brain and i've managed to cut down on that significantly by turning off watch history which makes it so that there is no home screen because there's nothing to recommend you and it makes it so you can't use shorts because there's nothing to recommend you and all it is is just your subscriptions that's smart. I should probably do that because I've I've been going through the same thing. So did, I don't remember if we talked about this in in our New Year's resolutions segment, I think last episode. No, 
not last episode, the the Donald Duck Donald episode, Duck episode <laughs> which is popping off on YouTube, by the way, for some fucking reason that neither one of us can figure out. Anyway, yeah, Donald Donald Duck doesn't need a thousand views, but he's <laughs> got it. But by God, he's he might get it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Part of my like New Year's resolution was to cut down on scrolling, just like the mindless scrolling. So like Pinterest. Yes. I don't use Tumblr anymore for like several mm-hmm. reasons, but the scrolling is one of them. Um, and but yeah, I, I found that I have replaced my scrolling um, that I used to do on Pinterest and Tumblr. It's now in the stupid YouTube recommendations in the YouTube I know. comments. It's where I go to scroll now. And I'm like, stop. I need to stop. I, I realize how much. I was doing it now because of how many times I go to it and there's nothing there. Just reflexively. Like oh. I'm sitting there, I'm bored, I open it, oh, there's nothing there. And it's like, man, I was doing this like so many times throughout the day then. Oh my gosh. I yeah, know. I should probably I should probably make that same change. Yeah, and I thought about like limiting myself because I listen to a lot of video essays because I love mm-hmm. I love well, I mean that's like part of like how I learn new things. And I like to learn new things, but it's also like at a point where it's like I am listening to video essays nonstop all day long. Uh-huh. It's like I oh have my to, God. I yeah. have to unplug at some point, you know. And oh, I was you're like, so do I, right. Do I limit myself to like five video essays a week? Maybe like do I try to like like how do I? Because like I want because like a lot of it is like educational or like thought provoking stuff. Like I want that, but I don't want it to be a crutch. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. I I was having a similar sort of like epiphany this morning when I was I was working out and my uh my AirPods died. So I'm just like, okay, I just won't I'll just boop close I'm not gonna listen to anything. I'll just wait. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I feel like I just constantly am plugging my ears with something at all times. Mm-hmm. And it's weird how content I am just not listening to something. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. And I just don't do it. I just don't do it. I do. I. It's also a problem at work where it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of tasks where I can get away with doing that. And then there's a lot of tasks where I definitely can't. But there are some tasks where it's like, I can get away with it. But, but should you be? Mm. It kind of makes things like... It does take away from my attention, and it's like, man, things would be easier if I was just actually focused. But I don't yep. know. There's like some, there's like some like resistance in me towards just like, oh, I need to pause this so I can like do this thing. I don't know. Like I avoid it. Yeah. I'm dependent on it. I don't know. Yeah, and for me, it's like, and I think this is. I'm not saying that I have ADHD because I don't think that I do. But I know it's like a thing with ADHD people or people who have ADHD. Sorry, not to get weird with labels. <laughs> but um, where and to some extent, I understand this because I do the same thing where it's like I need like a certain threshold of like mental stimulation or else I start to go bonkers. Or like if something is too boring for me, I can't do it. But if it's if I'm doing a boring task with the stimulation of listening to a YouTube video while I do it, it suddenly becomes more bearable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at what point does that dependence become a problem? Or like, I, I really don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it because I feel yeah. like I have the same thing, uh-huh. ADHD or not, um, <laughs> where it's like, 
And I feel like that's part of the reason that I have always gravitated more towards video games because it's more demanding of your attention and like senses, I guess, where it's like you're interacting with the world. It's providing visual, auditory, every, I don't know, mm-hmm. can't smell it, but, or at least not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, I feel like movies, I mean, granted, like I can watch a movie. It's not like I've never watched a movie and can't watch a movie, but it's like, I don't gravitate towards anything like that as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's It's very rare that I sit down. I'm not eating. I'm not doing a chore. I'm just watching a movie or TV show. I feel like that's pretty rare for me. I'm always like doing something else whenever I'm doing one of those things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's watch this Kingdom Hearts opening. Okay, let's, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to watch it. We don't have to say anything. We can just okay. listen to it. Just, okay. This is going to obliterate my ears. Oh I know, my that God. was really loud. I'm fine. Sorry. <laughs> Man, this shit would have hit so hard to me as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> no, there's so many people our age who talk about like seeing the commercials for Kingdom Hearts and hearing that song and being instantly like hooked, being like, I have to, I have to get this game. I have to play it. I have to know like what's going on. Cause it's, it I've, just was like so cool. This feels like the type of thing that I would have been like, slightly insecure about liking like i would have snuck away from my family turned on the ps2 you know listen to this listen yeah. to this opening just to get a little bit of goosebumps you know be like yes. oh yeah this could be me i don't know <laughs> this is just like my life it's the same uh same vocalist right it is yeah yeah and like the same the same backing track but like the i would i guess the melody and like there's like some harmonies and stuff going on that doesn't happen in the english version man watching how like abstract this whole thing is i'm just like man i cannot wait for you to try to make make sense of this story for me yeah this is gonna be great (laughs) oh i was gonna say so i just want to say while we're on the topic of the opening since we just watched it um so the singer of um all of the kingdom hearts openings is utara hikaru um who i guess is like a a japanese japanese pop star um the thing so just for for like my own personal background so like i um was a choir kid i was in choir from sixth grade all the way through high school um and even back then i was so impressed because she's japanese and i was like her like pronunciation and enunciation when she sings in english is so freaking good I was like, her vocal coaches must be like insane. Um, because like I know like we in choir we used to sing songs in like different languages, and it's like, man, I know we're butchering. We're butchering the hell out of like <laughs> out of like these other oh, languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like sometimes like the you Lion hear, King stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you hear um like like for example, like Japanese or Chinese people try to sing in English and it's like their like accent comes through their singing and you can like tell. That they're mm-hmm. like some of the pronunciation isn't quite like there, but hers was so good. And then I found out as an adult in like, I don't know, like 2020, and it fucking exploded my brain. I was like, oh, duh, I'm an idiot. She speaks English. <laughs> she was actually born in America. 
um, and and grew up in America a little bit, and then moved and back. And it turns to out Japan. her Japanese pronunciation is shitty. Well, no, she's bilingual. <laughs> okay, um, so her pronunciation of both is both probably phenomenal. At least, like, I can't really, you know, speak for the Japanese her Japanese pronunciation of things, but her I English can. is Watashi phenomenal wo. sounding. It's fantastic. <laughs> so just just saying that as like a choir kid, I I appreciate her her enunciation um very clean vocals Mm -hmm. and i can say as a kid who called i don't know the atv off-road fury soundtrack dusty that it sounded (laughs) pretty good to me too um yes man deadly premonition probably could have taken a few cues from exactly this uh, this lady exactly yeah (laughs) um also we talked about uh neon genesis we've been talking offhand about neon genesis evangelion Mm -hmm. a little bit the running theme throughout all this yeah podcast yeah aside from naruto um she did do some i think some songs for neon genesis and i not the original i think like a a remake or like a more recent version of the movie i don't know oh but she has she did some some songs for that that are also very beautiful so Mm -hmm. love her big fan i like her her other music as well so very talented artist anyway shout out shout out shout out from the biggest (laughs) ps2 podcast out there um yeah netflix has been trying to get me to what start uh neon genesis maybe you should or evangelion i i think i picked the two words that no one refers to that series by (laughs) it's fine we know what you're talking about (laughs) um but yeah i'm gonna finish demon slayer i'm really getting into demon slayer at the moment yeah it's uh it's it's growing on me it's pretty good it's it's fun i don't know um but we're not gonna get i bet you thought we were about to get sidetracked no we're going right into the background information let's do it Developed and published by Square in partnership with the Walt Disney Company, Kingdom Hearts was released for the PlayStation 2 in North America on September 17th, 2002. It was a massive success. By the time it was all said and done, Kingdom Hearts was the 10th best-selling game on the PS2, sitting at over 36 billion copies sold worldwide. Those are some bonkers numbers. <laughs> bonkers. Bonkers. Yeah, I don't know what I was going to say something else and then I sat it on bonkers, um, but I don't know what that something else was. <laughs> that's that's all right. But yeah, those are some insane numbers for now. That's yeah. like, like hitting that now means you're a massive success. That's, for sure. That's hitting half of that means you're a massive success. <laughs> that's crazy. And also, critically speaking, the game was received very well at the time. Many reviewers praised its graphical fidelity musical score and the melding of its action and rpg genres you have anything else to say about this game that was all i wrote down it was a very bare bones background information section from me there is like a oh shoot sorry i don't i don't know if it's like an urban legend i don't know what you would (laughs) what, what would you call it hold on uh I gotta look up his name to make sure I don't get it wrong because there's like several very famous Japanese developers and I... Okay, good. I have it right. So, Tetsuya Nomura is the guy who oh, yeah. um, like came up with like I guess the concept of Kingdom Hearts and there's like a, a rumor or like a urban legend about how he wound up in an elevator with some Disney executives somehow and was like hey. Yeah. <laughs> like cornered them and was like I have I have this idea. You have mm-hmm. to let me do this idea. <laughs> um and then that's how this this weird this funky Disney Final Fantasy crossover thing came to be. Mm-hmm. Um don't know how true that is, but it is a fun story. 
I saw a little bit. I saw an elevator mentioned on the Wikipedia page. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of curious about is uh, in the reviews that I saw, the there was kind of a. I feel like everyone made a point to mention the melding of genres here, and I'm kind of wondering how common because there was a point where RPG mechanics kind of made their way to many different genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like leveling up and, you know, item management and stuff the like that. <laughs> menus. The menus have infested our games. Um, and I wonder if this was on the earlier cutting edge of like that movement. I wonder if that's kind of why it was mentioned as much as it was. I don't know. Because to me, playing this now, I'm like, oh yeah, this game has RPG mechanics. Like, that's not abnormal, but yeah, maybe for the time it was. I'm wondering if it was also partially because of the, like, if if you were expecting, because it has, like, Final Fantasy characters in it, maybe they were expecting the gameplay to be more like Final Fantasy. And that's like a, it's, the gameplay is like a big departure from, like, the turn-based. Like, yeah. if you if you were to play FF, or sorry, Final Fantasy X, I almost said FFX, like, this is SSX or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you were oh, to um, like leap from final <laughs> fantasy 10 to this game you'd be like whoa this gameplay is different okay um but i don't know yeah if I, don't we really did know. A, I was gonna say if we did a ps2 rap at any point i feel like rhyming ssx with ffx would be pretty hard it would be good it. if we could pull that off i don't know anyway <laughs> <laughs> um the like action rpg thing that it's doing here ARPG? I don't know if people call it that now. Maybe. Um, I feel like I've heard that before. I don't know if it means something else. Probably means action RPG. But that's like a thing that just Final Fantasy is doing now, from what Mm -hmm. I can tell. Uh, I don't know how similarly it plays to this. I imagine this is probably a more dumbed-down version of what they're pulling off today. But like Final Fantasy 16 and the remake of 7, I know are like more like this where it's real time yeah. action based. Yeah, I would say that um Kingdom Hearts certainly has more like whimsy <laughs> just in mm-hmm. general with its like style with how the movement feels like like um like Final Fantasy 15 and the Final Fantasy 7 remake. I mean just like from like vibes the it's just more like realistic and maybe kind of like brutal. Like Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. doesn't really feel brutal. You kind of feel like you're like hitting people with a with like a rubber balloon sword a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. Yeah, like it's there's not like the feedback, I guess, necessarily that there might be in the I don't know. We'll talk more. I have I have some things to say about that in particular, but we'll get to that in the the mechanic section. I got to say though, after playing this game, there was a point where like it kind of started to grow on me. But in a way where it was like, man, I would kind of be interested in playing a game that has a better version of this kind of like combat mm. stuff. A better version, you say? A better version, I say, yes. Well, I have good news. <laughs> <laughs> is it Kingdom Hearts 2? It is. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, and I was I was thinking Final Fantasy VII remake potentially, but... 
not to go down a rabbit hole, but I'm not sure I want to play that game before playing Final Fantasy VII because I know that's kind of important to mm-hmm. enjoying Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Just because of how it chooses to be a remake, but also not. I don't know. That's maybe a spoiler. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't played it. Can I spoil something I didn't play and don't know anything about? I guess not. At that maybe, point, you're speculating. <laughs> I, whatever. I just kind of heard that that's important to yeah. play the original to yes, see what I, is changed and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You won't. You won't appreciate the changes um, unless you you know what happens in the original. Or like, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this is a Kingdom Hearts podcast. Yes. Um, let's quickly get a into the time we spent with uh this game both in the past and for this episode so i'll let you go first since it's probably a long and storied history but uh, what's your experience with kingdom hearts so when i was a child um my dad would usually get me um like whatever whatever ps2 game of the year that i wanted so badly that would normally be my christmas or birthday present um, oh, like first of, of all, I got to quickly say, yeah, if you're getting one game a year, Kingdom Hearts is probably a pretty dang good it one game a year good. game. Yeah. I mean, I would normally get like, I want to say like three, three mm-hmm. games a year when I was like little, little, but when I could like do chores and, you know, when I had my own money, he would take me to to GameStop. But anyway, um, so I think it was, oh, I'm trying to remember if it was Epic Mickey. There was like some other game that came out that had to do I with don't Mickey think it Mouse. Was, oh, I don't think it would have been Epic Mickey. Was it Epic Mickey or was it? Oh, you know what it might have been. <laughs> this is so funny because the game that I wanted sucks ass. <laughs> I think it might have been the Looney Tunes Acme Arsenal game. Yeah, and it's That's, that one's bad. Yeah. Um, but I wanted it because I had it in my head. I was like, oh, it's Looney Tunes, but like Ratchet and Clank, I need it. I need to have that. Oh, no. Um, Man, that's so funny. Thinking back to all the dumb decisions you would have made as a kid. Yeah, I feel like I, I got to look out for my kid whenever they do stuff like this. Yeah, you do. You really do. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so my dad tried to get that game for me. They didn't have it. And so he was like looking at other games in the cabinet and he saw Kingdom Hearts 2, which the box art for Kingdom Hearts 2 is gorgeous. I love the box art for Kingdom Hearts 2. And he saw that. He was like, it's got Mickey Mouse on. I should probably like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so he got me Kingdom Hearts 2. It's like, got that rat on it. Yeah. <laughs> she um, loves rats. Yeah. And I remember sitting cross-legged in front of the Christmas tree, opening up my present, and him being like, yeah, like, sorry, I couldn't. Like, they, they were out of the game that you wanted. And I was so, like, enamored from the instant I laid eyes on it. I was like, no. Don't be sorry. This is fucking amazing. I've already decided that this is amazing. And I dropped the F-bomb like that at like however old I was right in front of my dad. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Um, but then I um, started playing it. And I'm not going to talk about how Kingdom Hearts 2 starts because I don't want to spoil things for you. But when I say it was the most confusing thing. <laughs> Like, if you think Kingdom Hearts 1 is confusing, imagine going into 2 with no context. And when you play 2, you will understand. You'll be like, how would you even, like, begin to understand? I guarantee you I'm going to be confused with context. Yes. No, you will. Um, And I could not wrap my head around 
anything going on. But I still <laughs> was having a great time. Oh um, my god. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's that's where my love of the of the franchise started. And also, I do want to say that experiencing a Kingdom Hearts intro for the first time, you mentioned when listening to the Japanese version of the Cage One intro, you mentioned like goosebumps. Like the first time I put in the disc and the Kingdom Hearts 2 intro started and I saw those like that was like the best like graphics I'd ever seen in my little Yeah. My short yeah. life. Blew my, my short mind. life on this earth. Goosebumps <laughs> from head to toe. And that had such an impact on me that that is, I would say, the thing that ultimately led me to getting my animation minor in college. Like that was like inspired me so much. But yeah, it is the the intro for Kingdom Hearts 2 is a masterpiece, in my opinion. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm curious as well. Uh, what about the Disney franchises that this game incorporates? Like, were these specific like movies that you grew up with as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was big into actually a lot of them really stressed me out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if I'm like, yeah. like Alice in Wonderland stressed me out. Oh yeah. Um, I think Hercules was okay. I think I was okay with Hercules. I love Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically the crocodile and Shmi. Shmi, Smi, Shmi, Shmi. That you could say. Shmi is Anakin's mom. <laughs> is it Smi? <laughs> whatever. Captain Hook made me laugh. Peter Pan made me laugh. Um, Little Mermaid Ursula stressed me out too much to enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, yeah, most most of these Disney movies, yeah, I was very familiar with them. Mm-hmm. For me, the uh, the I was thinking about it because I'm like, there's sort of like a osmosis effect with Disney IP like this, where it's like, yeah, I've seen Peter Pan, yeah, I've seen Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. and then as I was playing it, I'm like, I'm thinking about it, I'm like. Have I ever watched Peter Pan actually? <laughs> like I don't I don't really know for sure if I have. Same with like I don't think I've ever seen Hercules. I've definitely seen Little Mermaid. I'm trying to think of a couple. I haven't seen Nightmare Before Christmas. That one was a I still haven't. I would like to, but uh, yeah, I tried to watch it and I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I just I love stop motion. So Yeah, no, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like it's very creepy and stuff, too. I should watch it. Mm -hmm. I kind of always thought that I was a little put off by it because I kind of assumed that everyone was a villain. (laughs) No. Yeah, no. But Jack is like a good guy, right? He's he's misguided, but he's a good guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, what are some of the other ones that, like Winnie the Pooh, I'm like semi-familiar with. (laughs) <laughs> I like Winnie the Pooh a lot. I just am like, I don't think I've seen a lot of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. You know, I haven't I haven't seen a lot of the bear Winnie the Pooh. I've only seen the waist down. I've never seen him without a shirt. I don't know. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> okay. I haven't seen a lot of Winnie the Pooh. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Is there any other, like... Oh, uh, is oh, Maleficent? She's from Beauty and the No. Sorry, Sleeping not Beauty. Beauty and the Beast. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen Sleeping Beauty either. I just watched Sleeping Beauty recently. Oh, the animation's 
beautiful. I love, mm. I love the visual style of Sleeping Beauty so much. Oh, it mm-hmm. looks so good. I haven't, I've seen Snow White. I don't think Snow White's in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they not. are. She is, but yeah, it's not. For like two seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that none of the princesses were voiced. Is that right? Alice is. Oh, yeah. Alice is. Yeah. And did you know that was Alice's original voice actress? I was, oh, yeah. That's another thing. Like, they're either original or dead ringers for their actual Yeah, they're voice pretty actors. close. They're yeah. very good. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that was kind of a miss. I feel like there was someone who was like a little bit off and in like a noticeable way. Beast? Ariel's voice. I kind of thought Beast was a little was iffy, he? but I, I'm not positive I'm accurately remembering how Beast talked. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's, you know, you get like a Disney character and they're gammering on about the darkness or whatever and it just feels wrong <laughs> yeah and you're just like no i don't know about this <laughs> this isn't the beast i remember yeah um so maybe it was more accurate i'm just yeah i can't i can't really remember but anyway my history with kingdom hearts mm-hmm. uh i don't have a history with kingdom hearts it okay. is a complete blind spot for me i have kind of been uh, uh, like hesitant to have any part of any kingdom hearts anything uh, just because it's hilarious, like as an outsider and probably as an insider, <laughs> it's hilariously confusing. It looks like some unholy abomination. You got Mickey Mouse talking about fighting darkness with the light and all this metaphorical symbolic stuff. And it's like, and Cloud is there. You're... Donald Duck is a mage. Claire lost it when I told her about that. Um, Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, well, yeah, Donald Duck is there. He's my mage, of course. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, it. it is strange. It's just strange. This whole thing is strange. I, I'm so confused how it happened, but I don't hate it. Like, it's, it's neat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's just weird. It's very J- J- Japanese. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't know. It's like a, it's like Disney died, and for some reason in the will, they entrusted all of their IP to Square Enix, and Square Enix was like, you know what? We know what the American public want with this IP. We'll we'll take the reins. This is what it feels like. Yeah, and and there is so much about like the sense of humor and like the. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very, I find it personally, I find it very charming and like endearing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there is like a specific, like, I don't know how to say it other than like flavor or like tone to like the humor and like the sound design, like the funny, like little, like, doop, doop, doop. like they like to slap like funny little sound effects on everything that's not like, like it's, it's close, but it's not like, it doesn't. <laughs> It's not American. Like you can tell that it's, it's not, not American. American. Yeah, yeah. This is which is fine. Certainly like, like not it. American. Yeah. <laughs> this stuff is not coming out of EA Sports. No. No. <laughs> or like You're Ubisoft not or like <laughs> No, absolutely not. Um and then I guess also semi-related, uh Final Fantasy is in the game. Yes, and the, the I don't characters... have too much experience aside from X. I mean, mm-hmm. 10. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you have more. You haven't played 7, though, right? I have. 7? 
You have played seven. Yeah, right. I have played seven. I haven't played eight, which is what Leon is from. Oh, I was wondering because I'm like, I don't feel like he's from seven, but I could be no. convinced. He, yeah, um, yeah, Leon is not Sid. Does Aerith. he have a gun sword in eight? Yes, that's, a gun blade. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will say, so like as a child, like Kingdom Hearts was also my first experience with like these final fantasy characters and so i'm wondering like how surreal it would have been to play kingdom hearts and to see like leon from final fantasy 8 interacting with yuffie from final fantasy 7 because that's Mm -hmm. not something that like ever happens in any other like well it actually might in some of the final fantasy spinoff games but like in the mainland games like that's not like a possibility so just like the idea of like these final fantasy characters like oh yeah like i know i know yuffie she's my neighbor or like, you yeah, know, like we hang yeah, out in our yeah. weird little gang together. Like that's probably kind of surreal. It's kind um, of cool. Uh, it's very um, Avengers esque. It is. Yeah. This is like the Avengers of two thousand two. Yeah. The ultimate crossover. Yeah. Yep. This game walked so Avengers could run. Um, mm-hmm. It's. It. I mean, like, it's kind of a weird comparison, but at the same time, it's like. Is that where like some of the insane appeal from this game comes from? Is like the crossover aspect of it, like jumping into like various I don't know Disney stories as they're unfolding and interacting with Final Fantasy characters from like different games. I don't know. I feel like Final Fantasy X got a bit of a got a bit shafted though. They're only like in the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is kind of strange i don't know i don't know but the, 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 this 10 came out first yeah i think 10 yeah, was I 2001 so. i think um yeah i might be wrong i can't remember <laughs> but yeah oh one other thing mm-hmm. why what why did they decide to name okay i'm talking to titus on destiny island and then i see that i have to go talk to riku and i'm like oh riku's in this game too let me find Riku walking around looking for Riku. I found like a girl in a yellow dress. I'm like, is this Riku? What no. they do to her? Yeah. Talking to her. I'm like, wait, that's not Riku. Where's Riku? Walking around looking for Riku. I'm like, I don't see a Riku here. <laughs> Apparently it's this dude. I'm like, wait, you're not Riku. <laughs> Why did they do yeah. that? <laughs> I I don't so the spelling is different. It is 1k less, right? Yeah, there is 1k. <laughs> Excuse me. I I can't say like why they were like, "Oh, it's fine if we have two characters with the same name. That won't be confusing." Especially if you have like the Final Fantasy crossover <laughs> element to it. But so in terms of like the names of our our trio of kids, so we have Sora, Kairi, and Riku. Sora means sky in Japanese. Kairi means, I think, ocean or water or sea. And Riku means, I think, earth. So it's like a they their names are like themed to be associated with each other. So okay. that is, I'm assuming, why why they're okay with like, oh, well, we have to do it for the... Because they're, they belong together. And so it's like a thing. Yeah, you know, that's, that's my fine. best it, excuse I can come up with. <laughs> it was not an issue for me aside from the first minute of the game. So, yeah, but yeah, I just you, thought you it was adapt. a little funny. 
Yeah. yeah, you can adapt pretty quickly. And also, like, I mean, the only two Final Fantasy X characters in Kingdom Hearts 1 is Baby. And they're kids, too. Like, I they, know. They de-age all... them. <laughs> Which is weird, because they didn't de-age Cloud and... No. <laughs> the other Final Fantasy characters, but these boys no. are chibi chibiified. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's to make them fit in. Because, like, Besaid and, like, the world of Final Fantasy X is, like, all on islands. So maybe it was just to make them, like, fit in with the island theme. Like, oh, yeah. it's Destiny Islands. Here, here's your island, boys. It might have been pretty off-putting right off the bat to have the visual disparity between Chibi Zora and then like a fully, I'm imagining Waku as he is in Final Fantasy X, where yeah. he's just like fully detailed and like the shading is all different. Very realistic looking man. Yeah, it looks like a shitty mod or something, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, with the with the Final Fantasy characters, they did alter the art style, I would say slightly to make them to make them mesh better with like Sora. Mm-hmm. I um, liked they, it a lot, though. Yeah. Not with the Disney characters, clean. though. Every Disney character is in their original style. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, so they looked pretty great, too. They like, did, yeah. The quality of, like, the visuals on, uh, like, their face in particular, but also just their whole model. It's like, man, this is really good looking. I was playing it on PCSX, so it was a little upscaled, mm-hmm. but... Still looked very good, like the conversion happened. I assume it looks great on a CRT as well. So yeah. All right. Uh and real real quick, how did we prepare for this episode? I'm the I wrote this at a time when I thought I would be done with the game sooner. Uh my clock was around 21 hours by the time I finished it. That was partially with leaving it running while I was doing stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, there was a lot of save state abuse on my end. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But how so about you? I, I played the final mix version. So the the one point five. Oh yeah, I guess I should specify. The... I played the original too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I played the one point five, which is the the final mix version on the PS3 because that's mm-hmm. just like the copy that I own. I did want to rebuy it on the mm-hmm. PS4. Um, and I got to there's an achievement for beating the game in less in fifteen hours or less, or sorry, a trophy. Um, so I was bum rushing it and I got to about, I think I got through Monstro. Um, yeah, but then I didn't know, I didn't know we were recording today. So that's, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) To be fair, we'll be recording later too. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that reminds me, there's a very good chance that I just put that on the calendar and didn't tell you. So I was going to say, I was like, I don't remember. There's like also a good chance you did tell me and I forgot though. So like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance I didn't tell you. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. All right. Some very important questions for you. Not as extensive as previous months, but Final Fantasy or Disney? Morgan, this is going to be a tough one for you. I know. You're big Disney head, big Final Fantasy head. so I don't I don't mean to be one of those like like shitty adults who's like, well, back in my day, this was so much better. But I have seen the more recent Disney films for kids, and I know what my most impactful Disney film was as a child. Actually, a few of them. And as an adult, I'm going to be honest, Final Fantasy just speaks to me a lot more. Um, th- there's more for me to sink my brain teeth into. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> Final Fantasy. More right. to analyze, more to engage with on a mature level. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Disney doesn't have good like things that it brings up, like in Encanto. Um, you know, with like the whole family dynamic, and like there's there's still things that are worth um you know discussing and and thinking about but final fantasy just as an adult just appeals to me more i get that yeah i'm curious uh you say you've seen some of these recent disney films um are you lumping in pixar with this in your head oh gosh i don't know if i can accurately like sort out which ones are pixar oh wait was the the most recent one was the, like Pixar, like Elementals, right? I think that, mm, as far as I'm aware, that is the most recent one. I can tell you that that looked like garbage. It was the most like on the nose metaphor for like anything I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like it's, you know, and I'm not saying that it's bad to like talk about like prejudice and like the the water man should be allowed to date the fire lady without it being weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's I think about? that's what it's about, right? <laughs> but just like I hated the I hated the character designs. They looked so bad. And mm. like it was just so like, oh, this is what we're doing? Okay. Like it just didn't speak to me. Um Moana was good and Kanto was pretty good. Right. But like I don't know. And I'll I'll get into it with this next question you have. But what but what's your answer? Uh, well, I was going to bring up one more. Turning Red. Have you seen Turning uh-huh. Red? Oh, I love Turning Red. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I did like that a lot. Yes. That one was good. The the draw, the famous uh, fan the art scene. Oh, and the fan Oh, my God. The fan art. That was like, that had you dead to rights, it felt like. That was it like. It did. Yeah. Well, so light. the thing is, my mom never found my fan oh, art. Oh, yeah. But, right, right. Um, I but did the whole have... like compulsive obsession and discovering that I thought was really funny. Yes. just like that was I have me to draw this more and more yeah <laughs> no i loved yeah i love turning red mm-hmm. it was a good one um i thought that that was like it was very it was pixar but it was like pixar experimenting with a more modern style that i don't typically like but i feel like they did it in a way that was more likable than how it is typically done like it was cute it was cute just like the way that the characters were, I don't know, like very expressively and quickly animated. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Like facial stuff like that. I don't know. I I guess like illumination and stuff like that is maybe what inspired some of that. Yeah. I don't I know. I think I, I kind of, yeah, I can understand what you're getting at. But yeah, I, for me, uh, my answer, uh, uh, I don't even, I gotta be honest, not the biggest fan of either not that i don't like either it's just that i'm i can i could probably live without either uh i'll go with final fantasy though just because okay. i'm an adult you know i like my <laughs> weeb games no more of this disney world garbage <laughs> um but back to the disney world garbage briefly uh what are your favorite disney films my all time any generation yeah the hunchback of that- notre dame took the words right out of your mouth didn't i no well, hold on I've, I've actually i don't think i've ever seen that one i haven't either uh okay <laughs> i'd like to though it seems weird the, yeah the film 
that I, that was like you know how like every well i don't know about every kid but lots of kids have like this one movie that they watch over and over and over on repeat they just like have to yeah um yeah mine was lion king every day mm. every day i would watch lion king um <laughs> and i remember being young enough like like i'm talking about like core memories that were forming when i was obsessed with lion king and also processing the trauma of my parents divorce but that's not something we have to get into right now Unrelated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um uh like my not i remember being a child and being young enough to not understand the concept of like hey what the, the movie as it is on this vhs that's the only way this movie is going to be and me thinking that if i watched it enough times i would eventually like like if 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 i watched it one time maybe it would go differently and mufasa wouldn't die what <laughs> like like eventually like it was like a randomly like it was like an rng thing that was like happening and one time if i put it in watch it the dice would roll and mufasa wouldn't die that was a big that's like that feels like some like uh recess-esque like tall tale that you would tell somebody like in my copy of lion king mufasa doesn't die (laughs) yeah well yeah and there, there was no recess uh, shenanigans going on it was just in my head that's yep. just how i thought that that vhs's and dvds worked was that it would just yeah, yeah. um but yeah no lion king um was definitely my it is still probably my movie i loved ratatouille i know that's pixar but like it's close close enough they're cousins right whatever yeah i loved sure. ratatouille um what else atlantis stressed me out really bad oh yeah <laughs> never saw that <laughs> yeah forget that that one exists often brother bear brother bears i i do as an adult appreciate brother bear way more than mm. i did as a kid what about fox um, and the hound oh fuck that's that was brutal that's brutal isn't it but i kind of like again as a child i didn't like it well i still kind of don't like it when movies make me feel terrible but as an adult i appreciate like the anguish so much more mm-hmm yeah, I think yeah, Fox old- and the Hound might be my first I- moment of exposure to racism. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's when um, I learned about racism. <laughs> was was Oliver and Company? That's a Disney one, right? Mm. I remember that one stressing me out. Finding Nemo. That's Pixar again. Ooh, yep, oh. that's Pixar. But it's Kissing Cousins. Disney Pixar. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then. There was one other one. It is a di- well, Oliver and Company is Disney, by the way. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I remember watching that one. Well, I liked it because I liked like cats. You cats like cats? Are, yeah, I like cats. Big so cat I head. that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's also why I like Lion King so much. Um, <laughs> big cats. Yep. Big cats. Um, but yeah, like I said, Peter Pan, rescue, rescuers, rescue rangers, rescuers down under, rescue rangers down. <laughs> Don't remember the title of it. I liked that one as well. But yeah, kind of kind of oh, all over Chip the place. and Dale? No. Well, I like Chip and Dale, but Oh, the, there is it, there's a Chip and like Dale rescue rats. rangers. Rats? Yeah, there's these two mice, the rescuers. <laughs> no, down sorry. Under. Rescuers down under. Yeah, the down rescuers under. down under. Okay. Yeah. It's another like Disney film, yeah. I feel like there's in my head, I'm like, yeah, I I know pretty much all the Disney films. And then you hit me with something like this, and I'm like, I guess I don't. 
Like, um, there's a lot then, like before I was born that I just kind of don't know anything about. Yeah. Bambi. Oh Bambi? my God. Bambi was also a big one. Bambi's a big one. Spoke to my parental issues and divorce trauma. But anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> You're right. Um, my mom got shot by hunters. Oh no. Oh, it's so, it's heartbreaking. Oh my God. Bambi's so heartbreaking. Anyway, it is rough. Apparently they studied are, though. The, that was an early animation one. Like that was an early Disney one. Yeah. And I believe that they uh they brought in some deer to study. They did. Well they <laughs> would do so that cool. with like with like a lot of their films was they would they would have like actresses in dresses that looked like the princesses they would have they would bring in like lions for Lion King. Like mm-hmm. they did yeah, a lot of like real animal studies. But yeah. Um yeah, Bambi Winnie the Pooh and also the the first Fantasia, I think. Oh yeah. Big Not the more of the recent of the Fantasias. Yeah, I think there was one from like the the one I'm talking about is like the wizard Mickey Mouse and like yeah. the brooms and the devil Satan creature. It's good. <laughs> and freaky. Yeah. And then I think on? there was one from the 2000s, maybe, mm-hmm. okay. that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. I'm, I got to say, a little side tangent, uh, looking at all of these like very beautiful old Disney 2D animated films. Yes. I am like, man, that's gone. Yeah. They're not making another 2D. Princess and the Frog has to be the last one, right? Well, I hope it's not because I love 2D. I know. It's great. It's so... Is 3D like so much more efficient or is it more appealing? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. Is 2D <laughs> well, too because... old? Like, anime is so big. It can't just be that it's 3D is more appealing. Well, there's also more and more anime that is going towards using 3D elements or like a 3D basis Mm. just because I think it's easier to keep like the models more consistent because you're working with the same model instead of having to redraw over and over. But um, but, but 3D is also going in a direction where you have things like Arcane and like the newest TMNT movie where it's like Mm -hmm. the 3D itself is getting so stylized. Oh, and like Amazing Spider-Man, like the... That's mm-hmm. getting like more stylized instead of just, I don't know. It's interesting know, because but... it's like, it's almost like now we're at the point where it's attempting to emulate 2D with, with like the, the like uh, 12 frames a second. Um, yeah. Like very choppy. Yeah. It's weird, but I guess it is. It's got to be an efficiency thing. Yeah. Right? Well, or just know, like because... maybe like people, maybe the skill set of your average animator is more. 3d now more likely to be 3d i don't know yeah i don't know either um well because like i do know that with with the highly stylized 3d i think you have to spend so much time on each like frame overlaying all these like uh, crazy effects on top of it to give it that stylized look sometimes like an amazing spider-man or in the tmnt movie also i don't know if it's because i'm just old and the media i grew up on has just like a different visual style but i find like the the second amazing spider-man movie very beautiful very good piece of art but i was so like overstimulated mm-hmm. by the visuals i was like i can't see i can't see what's going on mm-hmm. yeah i get it <laughs> um anyway i haven't seen either i <laughs> yeah i think the last new movie i watched was actually the uh spider-man 
spider ma'am is what I said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no way home. Okay. So it's been a bit. Yeah. And before that, I think it was uh, the Secret Life of Pets before the pandemic. Oh. So, okay. Yes, I get endlessly tormented at work for things like this. <laughs> Things you haven't seen. They just, my lack of movie watching in general, you know? Yeah. I work in a production house and I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't watch movies. That's okay <laughs> though. I think that's okay. Yeah. I will, I, I'll binge a TV show though. Let me tell you. Yeah. Which makes no sense because normally my defense for not watching movies is they're too long. So <laughs> yeah, TV shows longer, but uh, it definitely is. Uh, yeah. Somehow isn't. Though. I don't I don't even know. Um let's move on. Okay. I don't think I said what my favorite film is, but we're moving on anyway. Best Disney princess. Morgan, go. Mulan, bitch. Mulan bitches. Yeah. Is she a Disney princess? Yes. Yes? I Does she become yes. a princess? I don't know. No. <laughs> she okay. well, she marries a general. She is a general and she marries a general because Okay. Interesting. I liked, I also like Mulan. Mulan feels like the, the cop-out answer for all boys. I feel like, you know, it's like, okay. you know, she's, she's like one of us, you know, <laughs> for half the movie, she is one of us. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I always like Mulan because it's like, oh, it's like a, it's like a movie for me, you know, as opposed to the other princess movies where it's like, oh, I can't watch that. I'm a, I'm a boy. I got <laughs> I got an XY chromosome. I can't be watching this. Yeah. Um, but if I was to pick like an actual Disney princess, like an actual proper princess, you know, wearing a dress and whatnot, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go with either Ariel mm -hmm. or Tiana. Tiana. Yeah. 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 I would say Tiana and Belle are very close seconds for me. Belle's pretty good too. Yeah. Belle's pretty good too. Not princess character though. Just favorite female in Prince uh, in Disney films. I'm gonna hit you up with Tinkerbell. Oh, big Tinkerbell sassy. head. I just think she's funny. Yeah, no, she I is funny. Um, uh, non princess yeah. characters. Oh, I also do like Rapunzel from Tangled very much. Oh yeah, Rapunzel. That's one that I watched a lot with my little sister because I that do was like, that, like one. that came out like prime time for her growing yeah. up yeah yeah so tangled was probably her lion king <laughs> i think yeah um that makes sense and i guess frozen as well to an extent but non-princess characters let me hit you up with maleficent i just like her Ooh. vibe i just i just like she the is, aesthetic I like she the is dragon. that bitch you know yeah she's, yeah. <laughs> she's that bitch yeah <laughs> she's got boss bitch vibes <laughs> she does <laughs> Um, I say let her, you know what? Let her do what she's going to do. Let her slay, is the kids yeah. say. <laughs> um, all right, I'm content with this. Uh, best Disney prince. We need to balance mm. this out a little bit. Some of they, okay. So many of the Disney princess princes are giving nothing. I just want you to know that. In, the princes are giving like, nothing? Yeah. yeah. In terms okay. of like what okay. I remember about okay, them, yeah. the most cardboard cutout of a man. Mm -hmm. And I felt weird about picking Beast because he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> but you, he, like you can while. change him. <laughs> yeah, but like, 
again, kind of an asshole. Um, he's like a werewolf. I, That's perfect for you. What is yeah. he? Is this bestiality? He's a, he's a whatever. He's he's just a he's a beast. He's a beast. He's, he's made up of all of these. I think in the original fairy tale from like France, I think he's like a boar looking, like a big a big wild hog. Just not very interesting. He's a boar. I don't know. Okay. I, I remember seeing some artwork that I was like, oh, is he just a big hog? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. I haven't actually read it. I meant to, but then I didn't. Um, That's okay. Yeah, my... for, for research for this episode, we watched all Disney films. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I am, I would say Flynn Rider is probably my favorite from Tangled. Mm. Um. Close second, aside from Beast, because Beast I did debate, but oh, and um, Shang from Mulan also, I like him a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Um, the the prince I don't know his name from Cinderella. Is it Prince Charming? It oh I yeah yeah it's Prince Charming yeah okay yeah yeah. I don't remember anything about him from Cinderella. Did not really give a shit. But in the Cinderella sequels, there is this unhinged scene where he like jumps he like flings himself off a balcony because he just like has that himbo energy where he's like oh don't worry like i'll take care of this thing and then like hurls himself off a balcony i do love that himbo energy and that endeared him to me a lot um (laughs) but that's all i have (laughs) okay interesting interesting i gotta say i agree with you in the sense that princes not giving me too much to work with here it's they're pretty pretty generic pretty milk toast you know which is typical for films men they never get developed as characters you know it's what is the what is the one test for women where it's like uh the bechdel test two women on screen having a conversation not about a man or something like that yeah see the men they never pass that whatever the male version of the bechdel test i don't know is it Um, bechdel bechdel Oh my god! It, it's Bitchdale. Bitchdale. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Aladdin, which feels again like a cop out because it's. I forgot about him. Yeah, oh my he, god. he's you know he's smooth. The movie is about him, which helps. Uh, rip rap, for, street rap. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, real quick though, I want to back things up, back it up, Terry. I want to go right back to the uh, Disney princesses real quick mm-hmm. with a with a technicality, changing okay. my answer. So, maybe not a traditional Disney princess, but a princess, no doubt, published in the West by Disney. I'm going to go with Nausicaa from Nausicaa's Valley of the Wind, the Studio Ghibli film. Oh, yes. okay, okay, yes. okay. The, the, well, not Studio Ghibli, I believe. I think it's retroactively considered Studio Ghibli, but it is the movie that caused Studio Ghibli to exist, I guess. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I can't, I forgot the history part of it. Okay. <laughs> it's their first movie. I, I will accept that technicality. It's very good. Yeah. Very good. You would like it. You would like mm. it. There's some there's mm. some freaky animation going on with some monsters in mm. that. That it's like, man, if I saw that as a kid, that's it. I'm 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 done for. My my <laughs> dreams ruined for the rest of my yeah. life. Um there's like a melting monster in it, and it's like, whoo. That's uh that's it for me boys. We're done. I 
I do want to say, going back to the Prince question real quick, I do want to say I distinctly remember being a child and watching, <laughs> sorry, and watching um, Little Mermaid and having this weird sort of like visceral disgust with Eric. Oh. Where I was like, this bitch, this bitch wants to give up being a mermaid for this guy? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, man. I did not get it. I was like, what is the appeal? He's like, ew. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, that's my last. So Eric is at the bottom of the of the tiers for me. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't give a crap, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure there's anyone I would give up being a mermaid for. So yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, like, think about it. You know, 70% of the earth, water? Yeah. You're giving that up for 30% land? And legs instead and of legs, fins? these gross little symmetrical little sticks on the butt. No, not yeah, absolutely not. No. Anyway, all right. I mean, that's all I got for very important questions. Round yeah. of applause, everybody. We did it. Um, story <laughs> recap. This is going to be the next. Uh, let's see if we even finish it. Uh, yeah. You anyway. froze on my end, so you said yep. round of applause, and there was one clap, <laughs> and then it cut. <laughs> I was like, okay. You got to get an Ethernet cord in your room. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So, we're going to do a little story recap. We're going to keep it brief this time. I feel like we've been spending too much time on, you know, beat for beat story recap. So, okay, going to keep this brief. And uh, right. if it's not brief, then it'll be a bit of dramatic irony again. If you look at the YouTube section and this is like, I don't know. An hour and a half long. Uh, but <laughs> off the top of my head, because I thought it'd be funny, I'm going to tell you what happened in this game. All right? Okay. All right. So you got Sora, Kairi, Riku. Mm -hmm. They're a group of three orphans who live on a very tiny island. No parents to be found. All right? Hey, this is my show. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no interrupting. <laughs> um, I saw you making faces like I've already got something deeply wrong. Okay, okay. <laughs> Do you want me to just keep like Italian in my head? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep it short. So, some shit goes down, all right? And the darkness opens up. And all of a sudden, we're in this traverse town talking to ducks and all this. And we meet up with Goofy and Donald. Goofy and Donald, mm. they're on their own quest. They're after Mickey Mouse, King Mickey. Yes. Who told them very cryptically to follow the Keyblade wielder or something like some shit like that. Um, so they're following the Keyblade lead, 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 lead holder, wielder, <laughs> which is Sora, our main character, who is on his own quest to find his friends after all that shit went down back on their little island. Yes. And then they go through a bunch of Disney worlds, basically recapping the story of that specific world. And it seemingly has exactly zero significance on the actual plot, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So then, so that's the beginning of the game. All right. Yada, yada, yada. End of the game <laughs> where... <laughs> Basically, we we uh we fight. Oh, I, I guess it's relevant that like there is a group of villains 
hunting down the princesses of the various stories, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, the only relevant part. Anyway, and kidnapping them. And kidnapping them. Yes. Um, so we meet up with Riku towards the end of the game, who's working with Maleficent to unleash the darkness or some shit. And Riku's like kind of like possessed. He's evil. He's being controlled by this, the big bad. Forgot his name. As Ansem. Ansem. <laughs> ass. Ass. <laughs> ass. Being controlled by ass man. And uh, yeah, they just, they, they fight. And there's sword gets turned into all the heartless at some point and then boom, okay. he's he's back again i don't get that really and they whack him they press <laughs> they just smack him a bunch and then they open the kingdom hearts uh, mm -hmm. and, then, and then he's like oh there's gonna be darkness in there and then sora says no there's light stupid or something and then he dies and then we find yep. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, and then Kyrie's back. And then we start walking on a really long trail, and then the game ends. I, that's all I got. Yes. I, I think I got it all. What do you think, <laughs> Morgan? Yes. Okay. So just to elaborate, because this will be, imp this will be important for the lore discussion later on. Okay, the first thing that I'm going to elaborate that on, though, is not important for lore discussion. But so you said that they have no parents. So there is. So the thing is that Sora and Riku are native to Destiny Islands. Like that is the world to which they belong. Oh, okay. Kyrie, Kyrie mysteriously showed up on the shore one day, just like drifted ashore from the ocean. Oh, on the um, raft that's there, right? Or something. Well, they, they, Riku is like. I'm sick of this stupid small world with the islands and the beaches and I want to like build a raft and sail to like there has to be other worlds out there. He has this idea that there there has to be like more to the universe than just like the world they're in. So he's like, we need to build a raft and go like voyage out and find it. Um, And his idea for like why other worlds might be out there is because Kyrie showed up randomly one day and she is not from their world. Okay. Um. And I don't remember if she had like amnesia or anything like that, but mm -hmm. she's, yeah, she's not from Destiny Islands. There's that other um, girl on Destiny Island too, right? That's... A selfie? No. <laughs> is her name Selfie? Is her name Selfie? I don't know what her name is. Self... I think it is Selfie, but that is feels she just stupid dead? to say because... She's gone. She's dead, right? Well, Never so see when... her again. <laughs> well, when the world gets destroyed by darkness, basically every inhabitant either probably gets turned into a heartless or loses their heart or whatever or gets like tossed to like some random corner of the universe okay because that's what happens to sora is he gets he gets sucked up into the darkness tossed in, tra in a traverse town which is like some random corner of the universe um so that that's what happens okay um sora does have a mom the only time you ever hear her in the entire franchise is when Sora's like sees like a storm building above the islands and he's like oh no my raft and he runs away and then you hear Sora's mom go Sora dinner's ready and then she realizes he's gone and then that's the only hint we ever get at that he might have like parents and a family and stuff um hmm. anyway um and also them traveling so so King Mickey realizes because 
when you look up at the sky and you see the stars in the sky, those are other worlds. And Mickey, I guess, has been stargazing and realizes that some stars are going out. And he's like, oh, no, the worlds are getting swallowed by darkness. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he decides to go investigate the issue, um, finds out that there have been, you know, these like villains, the Heartless are like meddling with the worlds. That's what's destroying the worlds. That's what destroyed Destiny Islands. And to go protect the worlds from essentially this plague of darkness spreading and swallowing up everything. Um, the point of visiting each of the Disney worlds is finding the keyhole to that world's heart so that when Sora locks it, that makes it immune to being destroyed by Heartless. Because if the door's locked, they can't get to like the heart of the world and destroy it. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yes. And then, so they go around, they do all that. Um, at some point, they find out Kyrie has lost her heart um, because of getting sucked, sucked up into the darkness. And it's just kind of like this like empty shell of a body that is just kind of flung around like a puppet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So then we get to the world of Hollow Bastion, which is like the final, I guess, like world kind of. Um, mm -hmm. We find out that the villains were kidnapping the princesses because each one of them is a princess of heart. And a princess of heart, um, their hearts are special because they contain no darkness. Um, and for some reason, I think if you combine all of the hearts of the princesses of heart, it can open up a keyhole that will eventually lead you to Kingdom Hearts. And that is where our main villain, Ass Man, wants to get to. Mm -hmm. Because he thinks he is a, he is called, his full title is Ansem Seeker of Darkness. And he thinks <laughs> that Ansem hearts Seeker by nature. Nice to meet you. Yes, yep. yes. <laughs> by nature, he thinks that hearts are were born from darkness are meant to return to darkness so to him unleashing all this darkness upon the world is like chill because it's like well it's just the universe returned to like the state it's supposed to be in so he's like i need to get to kingdom hearts i need to open it up because kingdom hearts is going to have the ultimate darkness inside and he has a reason for thinking that but we won't get into that right now but so that's that's what he's trying to do and the villains um the disney villains involved aren't necessarily trying to work with ass man ansem <laughs> um they are more like just wanting to use the darkness for their own personal gain and probably yeah. to like rule their worlds that's they're, all they really get they're just about. evil by nature you know yes yeah a natural yes. partnership yeah they are like i guess representatives of the darkness within their own worlds they're like yes we love being evil Ooh. And then mm -hmm. they manipulate Riku, and then Riku ends up getting possessed by Ansem. Um, yeah. Right. So. Right. All right. I just gotta say. Uh huh. This is one of my only notes on the story. <laughs> um, because it's it's something I gotta say. I I felt zero anything towards Kyrie. I felt like she was a nothing character. Probably because she, she technically was a nothing character for most of the the game. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say, so um, kind of like the prequel to Kingdom Hearts, Donald Duck going quackers. Yes. This is a damsel in distress narrative. Right. Um, where it's like, 
they're gonna save Kyrie, and it's like Sora cares about Kyrie, and I guess that's supposed to make it care about Kyrie. Um, I mean, I feel some attachment towards Kyrie, but I gotta say, like towards the very end when they were like separated and they were doing that little drawing thing to simple and clean or whatever, I was mm-hmm. like, okay. You made me feel the tiniest bit of emotion just then. Yeah. But I feel like, it, I don't know. I feel well, like, and it's like, I don't know. She, she has this sweet talk, I think, at the beginning of the game where she and Sora are sitting on the dock and they're talking about, you know, like, oh, she's like, oh, let's just leave, like, with the two of us because I think she can kind of sense that Riku's, like, a little bit of a sociopath. <laughs> There's something a little <laughs> bit off about Riku. <laughs> I noticed Riku I'm, just like uh, he's been he's been like killing bugs a lot, <laughs> like, like the magnifying glass. He's like setting them on fire and like making them fight, and it's like really brutal. I'm, anyway, um, is this a microcosm of a larger issue? <laughs> <laughs> um, but she has this talk where she's like, "Oh, like Sora, don't ever change," and it's like that's like really sweet. And then she gives him her like little good luck charm to like later after you rescue her. She's like, "Okay, well here's your." here's my good luck charm but you better bring it back to me it's like that's cute i kind of like her i don't know yeah she's, there's not a lot to work with though yeah it, she gets the short end of the stick yeah i mm, i guess it's the i guess it's the damsel in distress thing that doesn't really do it for me like maybe if she had a tiny bit more agency to do something in her own way that might help yeah. me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, Does she is she a main part of the series going forward? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, just one last thing I want to clarify. So, Kyrie, I know I mentioned that Kyrie is not from Destiny Islands. She is from the world of Hollow Bastion. What? Um. Yeah. There's like a whole like flashback cutscene. I don't know if you remember this, where she is sitting. She's a very small child and is with her grandmother in the Hollow Bastion library. Oh that's right yeah that's right yeah and other thing Kyrie is also a princess of heart so she has a special heart that is full of light and um i know you mentioned i think sora turning into a heartless for a second um mm-hmm. so at hollow bastion after sora fights the possessed riku mm-hmm. he finds out that Kyrie's heart actually took refuge inside of his heart so she's been like with him this whole time because like throughout the game he's kind of having these like weird hallucinations every once in a while of Kyrie. um so sora takes a keyblade that is meant to unlock people's hearts and he stabs himself in the chest with it mm-hmm. and interestingly um a bunch of hearts come out of him one of which is Kyrie's, one of which is his own. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but he stabs himself a bunch of like balls of light come out and then go to the princesses. So all of the princesses of heart were inside of Sora. And another thing I want to point out, because I don't understand the mechanics of how this happened. When in the very beginning of the game, do you remember like the glass, the stained glass platforms? Okay. That realm that that is happening in that like the prologue of the game or whatever is happening in is called um i think dive into the heart is technically the name for that level so and this is going to be this is going to become a recurring motif in kingdom hearts where anytime you are inside of someone's heart it will be represented with 
the stained glass windows platforms. When Sora is in Dive to the Heart, the platforms are the Disney princesses. Right. And so I'm like, what? So were the Disney princesses' hearts inside of him from the beginning? How did they get there? How did they get I there? I don't know. Why don't Sora? Understand. Why this little beach boy? I don't know. And the the game is like, oh, this is like the chosen one. He's he's the Keyblade wielder. He's a chosen one. But then there's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, Riku was supposed to have the Keyblade. But but Riku fell to darkness, so then the Keyblade switched to Sora. But then it switched back for a second in Hollow Bastion, but then ended up going back to Sora because of willpower or something. Because my friends are my power. <laughs> I don't know. And there, there, there are like funky things that I can't explain. That was a great scene whenever the the Keyblade, keyblade switched and then Goofy and Donald were just like, well, later, <laughs> loser. Later, loser. That was fucked up. That was. Can I just say? That was incredibly fucked up. Yeah, that was. Well, the king said to follow the Keyblade, so <laughs> not the boy, but I guess so. See you, kid. Like, like, and they know Riku sucks. They know he's evil. Yep. At the time. And they're like, yeah. Oh, well. That's shitty. It is. It's fun. <laughs> Thank God you got All Beast right. there. I mean. Yeah. That's fun. That was kind of a fun section of the game where it's just like, you can't fight. Beast just has Anything. to yeah. kill everything for you. But yeah. Um, man, the story is a little too metaphorical for me, I gotta say. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and maybe it is very consistent and well thought out. It felt a little, <laughs> a little made up as we go. I wonder if there's any retconning that happens later on or anything like that. Oh my god. Because it feels like not the most <laughs> solid launching platform for a series that has such insane lore as Kingdom Hearts does. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1 is definitely the most hinged of the games. Right. <laughs> because you have this foundation that the other games, it's like, it's sort of like the other games take KH1's lore and just like riff off of it. And like, you know, like improv, like he, just like okay. going like balls to the wall, whatever. And you're just sort of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it, they get, they get fucking wild with it, man. Um. <laughs> anyway. I do. I mean, you can also, you can kind of ignore the story. Like, pl like play me playing this game. It's like, okay, I'm just a boy and all the worlds have collided and. I just am kind of like playing through all these Disney stories and that's fun. And then you yeah. get to the end and it's like, oh, he's just the bad guy. I just need to kill him. That's all I need to know right now. Yeah. And you can fall back because it has the whole like light versus darkness, which is a very basic, very universal theme. So you can just be like light good, darkness bad. Mm -hmm. Try and explaining that to a there, blind person though. And you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. They might not get it. Um. <laughs> um but yeah, like from there, you can kind of be like, okay, I will ignore the existential stuff and this will be fun Disney time. Mm -hmm. um, so you do have that option to engage with it in that way. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'll let you continue riffing about this uh, this Naruto okay. comparison. It was, it's okay, weaseled yeah. its way back into our podcast. I was going to say, did you think we weren't going to talk about Naruto? Because we are. Surprise, um, bitch. Naruto right, time. Let's, 
Let's talk about the trio formula that I've noticed. Um, And there are specific parallels between this trio that I find very fascinating. And I'm wondering, like, where is the common ground or the inspiration that both of these pieces of media are potentially pulling from to get this idea? I don't know what that answer is. It has to be just like deeply baked in japanese lore or something i don't get this trio formula is like oh my god everything that i've ever done every pokemon game is the trio formula you're playing as the main dude or or girl i guess you can pick girl but always from my perspective you pick a dude you have a rival who's a little shithead trying to beat you and then you have a girl who's like a nice girl helping i don't know like a Mm -hmm. professor's assistant or something it's is it just like a japanese thing is it an every person thing i'm like all of a sudden i'm like well what is that so raven is that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah it's it's very drake and josh (laughs) (laughs) with megan sasuke is megan megan is sasuke (laughs) um Evangelion kind of has a trio thing going on. Um, yeah, there's there's like all sorts of, of media properties where you can apply the trio formula to it. And also every Kingdom Hearts game has a trio that is like even there, there are Kingdom Hearts games where the protagonist is not Sora and those characters are still like functioning in a trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Star Wars also yeah. has the trio. It does. Thing going on. You're right. And Star Wars also pulls from some like Eastern storytelling representation with like, because like the Jedi are like samurai or whatever. And I'm exactly. so like wondering, I'm like, what, what is the source? And then you have Christianity, <laughs> which has the Holy Trinity. And I just, I don't understand. I don't know what, what it is with trinities and trios that hum, the human consciousness or creative juices are like there's there's gotta be three things <laughs> i don't i don't know we do um, like our threes we, we do, do like, like our, our threes, threes very much anyway so i just wanted to take a second to point out some of the interesting parallels between sora Kairi, and riku and their counterparts in naruto naruto sakura and sasuke um now again Kairi and sakura both kind of get the short end of the stick um in both of these properties because women (laughs) i guess yeah women i guess um because women writing no sorry men writing women um and both are just kind of like a a damsel with not a whole lot going on but specifically these sora naruto and riku sasuke parallels i think are the strongest so i just want to point out we have sora and naruto who their whole shtick is like, my friends are my power. And like, I gotta, I gotta get strong to protect my friends. And it seems like the, the friendship, the collectivism, if you will, is the main driver um, behind their, their motivation, their desire to, their desire is not the power itself, but the, the people that they're protecting. Um, And the, the power is something that just sort of like comes to them as the story develops, as they, you know, find that drive, find that motivation to protect what matters. Um, and they are willing to um, sacrifice themselves. We see that when Naruto throws his body between Sasuke and Haku 
Um, we see that when Sora stabs himself with a keyblade and effectively kills himself for a second. Um, and then we have the Riku Sasuke archetype, I guess the rival, um, since, yeah, it seems like a lot of Japanese media also has like a rival character. Um, and they are motivated by like, okay, I have this goal. I have to get power to obtain the goal and like getting, getting power is step one. And that is all that matters for this like first phase of my plan. Mm -hmm. Like, like Sasuke is like, I have to get power so that I can kill my brother who killed my clan. And Riku's like, I have to get power and tap into this power so that I can save Kairi. Um, so it's more like the motivation almost seems more inherently selfish in a way because it's focused on like, I have to get stronger, not to like, it's, it's, or maybe, maybe the motivation doesn't start off selfish, but it always ends up being a self-consuming thing. Um, right. Where like Sasuke gives up his home in the village and his place with his friends in pursuit of this. And Riku literally gives up his, like his body gets possessed in, mm -hmm. in his like process. Um, and I find it interesting that it's like the the collectivist outlook of like being like pro friendship, pro like teamwork is what is presented as the good thing. And then being like the individualistic thing, that's what leads you to like power hungry and being consumed by it. Mm -hmm. um, I just I just think that's interesting. And again, I don't entirely understand what that what the same like root is. Both of these trios are pulling from, but interesting it's an interesting archetype all right we're back everybody this is the third recording session what happened to the second session you ask <laughs> nothing don't worry about <laughs> it don't worry about it um i don't know if you need more of a warm-up than what we have right now but you want to get into the bitch i'm going crazy slightly unhinged lore discussion Yes. Again, I, yeah. for the first time, I mean, this is the first time we've discussed right, right. this. Right, right. Our first, definitely haven't rehearsed this before. Um, no. Yeah. But yeah, the, the bitch I'm going crazy section of our Google Doc that is in a very large font <laughs> and bright red text. I wonder if I can call, like whenever I do the time codes for YouTube and Spotify, if I'll be allowed to name the section bitch I'm going crazy, a slightly unhinged lore discussion. Or if that'll like flag something, get us demonetized. Yeah, I not demonetized. We don't we're not monetized, <laughs> but if it'll get us flagged as like, I don't know, inappropriate or something. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if they'll let you cuss in the in the bookmarks or whatever. I did think about naming just straight up naming the episode on YouTube, bitch, I'm going crazy. <laughs> um <laughs> I wish. I wish we could, yeah. Oh man. What is or we could call it a, a sequel dream. to Donald Duck Going Quackers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, take okay. it away. Take me All on right. this journey again. Yes, for a second time, let's go on this journey. <laughs> take my hand. No. <laughs> um, so, first, I think I would like to point out that in Kingdom Hearts, you know, at the end of the game, we have it revealed to us, th this Ansem guy. Right, um, who is possessing the body of a child, um, that child being Riku. Um, so so throughout most of the story, your antagonists have been like your your Disney, your Disney movie villains, and then like heartless bosses, 
and then Riku. Um, but the main antagonist of like the, you know, the guy who is at fault for who caused everything happening in this game is Ansem. And we don't get to meet him until the end of the game. And I kind of think that's a shame because like his design and his vibe are really cool. I agree. It's very mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. I what is it like- called? Is there a name for, I don't know, like this type of like the archetypical the bad guy is not the bad guy. This is the bad guy. I don't know. Like oh. the whole revealing of the henchman factor. I don't even know. I mean, I don't think even Riku realized that he was the henchman until like he mm-hmm. got possessed. <laughs> right. But like um, with Maleficent, it's like, oh, Maleficent's the big bad. Yeah. And then, no, it's this other big bad yeah i don't know I don't, it feels like a trope i know but I don't it know does what. and i don't know if i don't know the trope name i mean it's like a plot twist right mm-hmm. kind of um but yeah i i don't know the name of that trope or like maleficent is like a season one villain exactly <laughs> yeah so um anyway with that being said so since you don't get to see or interact with ansem throughout most of the game um, there is another method for um, the player to kind of be aware of Ansem and his existence and his impact on the world and on the lore. And that is through the Ansem Reports. I'm going the to ask you this named. question. Yes, the aptly named Ansem Reports. And I think according to Aerith, I think Aerith is the one who who is like, oh yeah, there's... She has like a weird, wispy, quiet voice. She's like, oh, there's... She there's... does? Does she? Does she even talk? I can't remember. She she has like a, a weird voice in Kingdom Hearts too. Yeah, she okay. does, like briefly. Oh, um, do these characters stay do these Final Fantasy characters stay heavily involved in the Kingdom Hearts narrative? Yes. Oh, that's yes. neat. In in at least the like the mainline games, yes. Do they always bring in like new, more relevant Final Fantasy characters for every Kingdom Hearts game? Um, let like me does think. Kingdom Hearts three have like the uh, those those road trip boys from fifteen? No, like sadly that? it does not. That would I be mean, fun. we'll see if they make an appearance in Kingdom Hearts four, but sadly, no. Sadly, oh, I hope yeah, so. they kind of stick to like the more like I guess they would be considered like the classic Final Fantasy characters now. So, like, it's so Leon. weird that <laughs> the seventh iteration is the classic one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I guess the second. Second wave. Of yeah, Final it Fantasy is like, characters. yeah, yeah. And I mean, those came out, well, I guess all of them came out on the PS1, didn't they? But like, those were like the most relevant by the time Kingdom Hearts came around. So, You're right. anyway. Yeah, Seven was cataclysmically relevant. It yes, was... <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um. So on the topic of Ansem reports, Aerith basically says like, oh, hey, yeah, here's these Ansem reports. There was this guy from Hollow Bastion named Ansem. And he was, like, really smart and was doing some experiments. Um, if you find his reports, cool. Um, so did you even notice you were obtaining these lore crumbs, these lore breadcrumbs throughout your journey? Did you even look at them? I did not no. look. I did not even peek. No. I didn't know I had a journal, which yes. we discussed previously. We did. I'm not going to point out that we discussed things previously anymore. <laughs> That's going to make no sense. That's um, the bit. You can't, yeah. This whole thing has been discussed previously. I'm going to tell some of the same jokes and you're going to have okay. to laugh. Okay. I can't think of any right now, but just Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so you were not aware of the journal. Um, and, and just to just to be clear, so the journal contains um, not only these lore tidbits, I think it also has some some tracking on collectibles in the game. It has a um, plot summary of each world you visit in the game. And like it has um, character files you can look at where you can pull up the models of like characters in the game and different heartless and read, you know, a short like little blurb about them. And if they are a disney character or final fantasy character it will tell you i think what property they come from and what year that property was released which is cool so you nice. can kind of like piece together like the timeline very helpful before the internet existed yeah i was gonna say if you're like somehow not familiar with like who peter pan is or something you can be oh, like, oh this is peter, peter pan, pan character from peter pan <laughs> oh what's he from peter pan oh okay. oh but yeah. Anyway, so now that we have discussed the journal, the presence of the Ansem reports, we are no, we know they're in the game, even if we did not take the time to read them. Um, they're basically like there hidden? if you want. Because don't you obtain? I think you obtain a lot through the Coliseum stuff. How do you obtain the rest? Oh, geez, so I, some of them are tied to boss fights okay. or like completing a world. I think like it, at certain yeah. points. There's like a you know how like sometimes you'll get like items and abilities and it'll have like that little black box pop up. It's like you got this thing. Cool. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's that's when it shows up. And then I don't think I know in cage two in the menu when you're looking at like the different different options in the menu, if the journal is populated with new information, it'll have like a bright yellow new tag on it. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't think cage one does that, but so it might, it's, it's a really easy thing to forget about and it's kind of just like buried in your menus. So I don't blame people who miss this part of the game, but so for this lore discussion, uh, we are going to be going over the Ansem reports. There are 13 of them in total. Um, I will give a summary, a brief summary of each report, sum it up in like <clears throat> two, one, two, three sentences. My voice is getting crusty. I just ate a whole order of pad thai by myself. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> getting a little phlegmy up in here. <laughs> but anyway, so to understand the Ansem reports or to like wrap your head around some of the concepts in the Ansem mm -hmm. reports. I You'll need a background in both philosophy and psychology. Yes. I yeah. hypothesize, I guess, that you can better understand the Kingdom Hearts lore if you have background knowledge about Gnosticism, Jewish Kabbalah, and maybe like, maybe just like a little, like a, a tad, a little smooch of, of Jungian psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that is what the first chunk of our discussion is going to be about. And then we're going to get into the answer reports and how it all ties together. Little background into why I know so much about these random ass topics. Um, when I became fascinated with the anime Ergo Proxy, I wanted to understand its themes and symbolism. Mm -hmm. And that led me down the Wikipedia rabbit hole into Gnosticism, Jewish Kabbalah, and Jungian psychology. And it just so turns out that when you learn about these topics, about these uh, esoteric religious topics, and you have that esoteric religious hammer everything starts to look like an esoteric religious nail so i am here to start wailing on these nails um <laughs> start nailing these nails yes so esoteric religion and philosophy 101 disclaimer first of all i um don't 
personally, I'm not an, a a um, Gnostic. A Gnostic. Is that what you would call someone who believes in Gnosticism? Gnostic. Gnostic. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that. I am not Jewish. Um, so because of that, I might be missing some nuance in some of these ideas. Mm. So whatever I'm saying, understand that it is coming through from a place of me trying to take these complex things and put them into terms that I can like wrap my head around. So okay. take it all with a grain of salt. I guess. I'll, I'll throw in my own little disclaimer here. I am actually an expert on all topics being presented on this podcast. So I am an absolute authority on any matter discussed. In you can section. cite him in your research papers. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, we cite us in, our, yeah. in your research papers. That's a, that's a joke we made last time. I can't help. <laughs> you can't do I that. feel like I need to <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have my whole life, my whole life, I have had like a, I just, so let's say, for example, I'm talking to you, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I tell you a story. Uh, Claire walks in and you're like, hey, Clayton, tell that story you just told me to Claire. I have to tell it in a different way. I have to switch out all my words. I have to like swap a bunch <laughs> of stuff because you're here and you're experiencing it twice. And oh yeah, it's it's the same way now. It's like I I feel like I have to approach this in a different way. I have to say different things, and I feel weird saying the same things over and over again. So do I, but like I also can't help it because I'm literally reading off my notes. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this means I couldn't do stand-up comedy, because I assume stand-up comedy is making the same jokes, like it's it your is. first time in front of yeah. different, but sometimes the same people, I don't know. Yeah, yeah like weird. having to, like, rehearse and, like, exercise that same exact timing, it has to get, like, old, or it has to, like, mm-hmm. maybe at some point does it stop being funny to you, and you're just kind of like, you yeah, here's my joke. Because you're just so tired of saying it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. And as someone who spoke at a volume that could best be described as slightly above a whisper most of my life, <laughs> just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know why I do this, but it's just, it felt like an appropriate volume my whole life. And then people told me I was being quiet. So, but because of that, I have constantly been told to repeat myself and I just hate repeating myself for that reason as well. So yeah, I just. This this is going to be a nightmare for me, boys, but I'm going to push through. Yeah. Anyway, please continue. This is mostly you anyway, so I don't have to say anything. Well, I, well, I was going to say, speaking of things we said last time, I do <laughs> want to reiterate <laughs> that if you um, get really interested in this topic and go on to like pursue research or end up writing a college paper on this or something, please send it to us because I want to read it. Um, please send it to us. Cannot guarantee you I'm going to read that. But cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'll forward it to Morgan. Okay. <laughs> and I will happily read it and probably bring it up. Um, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll say, hey, that's neat. I'm, I'm proud of you, little gamer, for doing that. But uh, I ain't got time. I yeah. <laughs> I will make time. Anyway, um, so let's talk about Gnosticism. Let's go over the, the, um, um, the finer points of Gnosticism, I guess. So, in On a nutshell, Kingdom Hearts podcast, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Why the fuck not? <laughs> in a nutshell, Gnosticism is the edgy contrarian version of early Christianity, and I will get to what I mean about that in a bit. Um, but for starters, um, the God of the Christian Bible or Torah, um, in specifically within the Book of Genesis, is the creator of this world, but is not the God of like everything. So there is a step. Mm-hmm. There, there is the, the creator of this world, which is called the Demiurge, 
who is an imperfect, vindictive, jealous god. And the Demiurge rules over Earth with these lesser beings called Archons that I think are also created by him. New question. Um, mm -hmm. Is this sort of line lineage of this person rules over, you know, ruling over, ruling over, ruling over, ruling over, like God has someone that he is below. Is that implied to go on forever? Does it stop immediately after what's above our God? It stops with Monad. Okay. In Gnosticism, if that's what you're asking. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I meant I meant in reality. I need you to tell me okay. the secrets of the <laughs> you universe. You need me to expound yeah. upon the nature of God and yeah. Okay. No, uh, not doing that. <laughs> but but yeah, this hierarchy. So the hierarchy kind of goes. You have Monad, who's the creator of like all existence or whatever. Um, Monad has these things from him or it. I don't know what pronouns Monad uses. Um, but these beings from emanated from Monad. Um, that I guess you can kind of, they're called emanations, but they also kind of have like similar vibes to like angels, um, where it's like they, they work for Monad. Um, so a couple of Monad's emanations that is relevant is Sophia, who is an emanation of wisdom. She's like the embodiment of wisdom or whatever. And then you also have Jesus. Um, Jesus is considered an emanation from Monad as well. Not the son of the Demiurge, which is what they would say is like, oh, according to Christian belief, but. Jesus is from Monad. Oh, so um, in, in in Gnosticism, the Trinity is not a factor. Right? The, the Trinity, you could say, is replaced by um, Monad, Sophia, and Jesus, where you have Monad, the Father, Sophia, I guess would be like the Holy Spirit, and then Jesus is Jesus. So um, th- there is kind of a parallel there. Um, but so what happened was basically, um, so when emanations come from Monad, they typically come in male and female pairs. Um, like they're both like born at the same time or whatever. And those emanations, when they they have like the right to create things of their own, um, but typically they're supposed to do that as a joint pair. So like male and female join together and make another thing happen. Sophia kind of rejected the status quo and went and birthed the demiurge without her male counterpart. So that could be part of the reason why the demiurge is like a little bit fricked up. Um and so <laughs> She okay. kind of broke yeah, the yeah. rules. She did that. And she was like, oh, no, I made a mistake. So she kind of like hid the Demiurge off by itself and just kind of like ditched it and was like, oh, hopefully like Mana doesn't find out what I did or whatever. And the Demiurge sort of like matured thinking, oh, I am the only like God in existence or whatever, like the only the ultimate cosmic power in existence. So then it created Earth. And so because the Demiurge is an imperfect creator, that's why Earth is imperfect. Um <laughs> I feel like and, hiding in space kind of sounds like hiding in an open field scaled up to infinity. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We hit him over here. Hey, everybody. Yeah, and I don't know if it's <laughs> There's implied. nothing breaking line of sight with us right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's, like, implied that Sophia, if there's, like, some sort of, like, veil. I think it's implied that there's, like, a veil separating mm, the Demiurge's creation. Yeah, from, like, the rest of, of Monad and his domain because monad's domain which is like i guess existing outside of this world is called pleroma and it is a realm of like pure light um so with all that being said demiurge um is created by sophia demiurge creates humans um and humans the fun thing about us being humans is that our spirits are still divine in nature 
Um, so they actually belong in Pleroma with Monad. Um, and the humanity's spirituality and nature is kind of comprised of two elements. Um, element number one being psyche or soul. That's kind of like an inter interchangeable term for them. Um, and this is considered the male element or atom. And that is the emotional and thinking part of your personality. And then there's also the pneuma slash spirit, which is a female element or Eve. And pneuma is like our capacity for spiritual consciousness or kind of like the awareness of divine nature and the ability to form a relationship with the divine. Um, so, so pneuma is like the source of spiritual enlightenment. Um, again, this, this like duality of the human spirit or human nature is reminiscent of monads emanations coming out in male, female pairs, if that makes sense. Yes. So is the pneuma like, at all related to the pneuma pneuma dance? No, okay. no, uh, completely I'm separate. Sure, okay, I think Numa is Greek, and the Numa Numa is is that Swedish? Is it Finnish? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I don't know what language that is. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no different different languages. Pretty sure they're not. Related. Apologies, Professor. Continue. Okay. <laughs> so the demiurge, his goal is to prevent human enlightenment, to maintain control over his creation. So he does not want us to um, get back to Pleroma. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm in charge here. You are in my domain. You stay underneath me, sort of thing. Um, some further examples for how Gnosticism has a contrarian stance to Christianity. So according to Gnosticism, in opposition to Christianity, man is not over woman because of that concept of pneuma. So the female element is the source of true wisdom and enlightenment. So, so Eve, um, I'll get into that in a second. The fall of humanity in Genesis was necessary. The serpent was actually Sophia who was enlightening Eve so that she could enlighten Adam. So like I was just uh -oh. kind of getting at enlightenment okay. comes through women. Um, even after the fall, humanity is at its core pure and divine, which is the opposite of like the human or sorry, human, the Christian outlook where it's like, oh, we're sinners. We're terrible. Oh, we're evil. We're evil now. It's like Gnosticism says, no, we were always divine. We're still divine. Whatever. Um, and then salvation comes from gnosis, aka knowledge or awareness based on perception and personal experience. Um, the goal of pursuing enlightenment or gnosis is to become aware of the truths of existence and your own divine nature. When an enlightened person dies, their soul or spirit gets to return to Pleroma and go chill with Monad. So it's kind of like, that is like kind of similar to Christianity where it's like, oh, do you know Jesus is like your personal savior? Cool. That's your path into heaven. It's is like, enlightenment oh, kind of meant to be like uh, pulled from the Hinduism or Buddhism? Like, is it the same kind of enlightenment? Or? I don't know it's kind of hard because like i think i think it's similar but it isn't because enlightenment is acknowledging this external force monad like acknowledging the the external cosmic forces to you which is like monad sophia whatever jesus was talking about and i feel like maybe and i can't i'm not an expert on this so i can't speak to it fully but i think maybe like Buddhism and Confucianism is like an internal sort of enlightenment. But Gnosis is also kind of an internal process. So yeah. I it's I'm not I'm not the person to probably speak on that, but it makes me wonder. Um, well, if there's any Gnostics in the in the 
comments. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Is this like a popular belief today or is this like an old school belief? I don't think it's very popular today. Um, so because of like the all the contrarianness to early Christianity, we're basically if if you read Gnostic texts, which I have, not to brag. Not um, to brag. <laughs> not to brag. But if you read Gnostic texts, they are it's basically like someone took the Christian texts and wrote like fan fiction from it. Like <laughs> <laughs> like one of them was like pretending to be, I think, one of the disciples. It was like, hey, yeah, I'm a disciple and I'm here to tell you about this cool secret knowledge Jesus revealed to me. And then it's just some of the most like batshit stuff you've ever read. Hey, guys, it's me. Like, Jesus's 13th disciple. Yeah, kind of. Um, And so this wasn't all too uncommon back in the day because the Bible, as we know it today, it just didn't exist back then. So there were tons of like texts that were being circulated that weren't really like regulated or sticking to like any one standard um so it wasn't like that weird but it was weird enough to piss off a lot of early christians especially this guy named tertullian hated that shit he said this is heretical burn it so unfortunately (laughs) we lost a lot of the gnostic texts and some of them that we have are only in fragments like i think the gospel of mary is gnostic and there's it's like incomplete like we oh, can't read the whole okay. thing okay yeah interesting yeah um but anyway so one last thing to point out so according to gnostics um darkness is kind of considered like the opposite of enlightenment and it is like um materialism and falling back on animalistic instincts so anything that keeps you from achieving enlightenment or keeps you tied to the material world and not focused on like monad and pleroma and like enlightenment and all that jazz that that is what is considered darkness and every soul is kind of on this journey down towards darkness and at some point you're supposed to wake up become enlightened and then go back up to pleroma yeah Um, yeah Yeah. so that is gnosticism in a nutshell um let's move on to our second topic jewish kabbalah do you think um, that you could uh, maybe get like college credit for this podcast episode in any way? Like, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Yeah. Try to get, try to pass it off as like a, a religious or like philosophy class or something. Yeah, it was an independent study. Uh, yeah, the Kingdom yeah. Hearts episode of uh, Analog Shtick, a PlayStation Two podcast. And I think um, they should let you count it. <laughs> I think they should. Um, but yeah, so Jewish Kabbalah is kind of an attempt to define the essence of God, and just to clarify this. I guess this like practice or this philosophy was built um, or appeared like a decent amount of time after um, a lot of these texts that they're analyzing were written. So some of the stuff that they're analyzing, you could say it's like removed from its original context and maybe we're sort of like imposing new ideas onto old texts, but I, that's up for like biblical scholars and stuff to debate. Just a thought. Um, like us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But basically, according to Jewish Kabbalah, every aspect of creation is an emanation from God. So by this constant process of emanation, God is what sustains the universe. Um, I think sort of like a comparable analogy to this is the we're just living in a simulation theory. Um, But in this case, God is the thing running the simulation. Like it's not a computer. It's God that is that is running the physics simulation mm-hmm. when you slip on the ice and fall down on your butt that's he's the that's one God playing business. sims 4 right now yeah yes <laughs> he's, 
He's the one laying down that banana peel. He's not letting you wash your dishes or go to the toilet. Yeah. Um, Have you ever gotten into a pool and then gone, where's the ladder? That's that's God. That's that's God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so these emanations are represented by this um, tree diagram thingy called the Sephirot. Um, and we're, we're like each there's, it's made up of like a bunch of circles. I think there's 10 emanations in total and they all represent different aspects of creation that are supposed to keep the universe running or something. Um, this idea of emanation though, poses an interesting problem because if God is good, is perfect and everything is an emanation from God, then why is evil a thing? And from this debate, there are three different ideas for the root of evil. Number one, evil is a necessary component of creation to be as it is. Number two, evil is a parallel to holiness, aka evil must exist to balance out the emanations. Or number three, evil is from imbalances we create within God's manifestation. So kind of like the um, Christian or like the fall outlook. It's like, oh, it's us. We brought evil and sin into the world and blah, blah, blah. We're terrible. The last idea I want to touch on is that man is a microcosm of, um, let me, let me re-say that. (laughs) The last idea I want to touch on is that man is a microcosm and cosmic powers are the macrocosm. This means that there are various struggles playing out at different scales all at the same time. So the internal struggles of man affect the overall cosmic struggle, just as the cosmic struggles informs the collective unconsciousness of humanity. So like, um, sort of similar to the Christian idea where it's like, oh, if, if someone is suffering from depression or mental illness or whatever, it's like, oh, they're under demonic attack. It's the cosmic forces, the cosmic battle going on that's causing this to manifest in them. Or if a human gets saved or prays to God, it's like, oh, this, this human is affecting the cosmic struggle by like, I guess, giving God a a boost or whatever, as if God needs buffs, but I don't know. Anyway, something (laughs) to think about. And then the last thing, Jungian psychology only have a couple points that are potentially relevant here. Um, so Carl Jung, uh, subscribed to this idea of a collective unconscious. Um, And this idea is sort of that there are universal recurring symbols or imagery that we pull from on an unconscious level. And those are described as archetypes. So like, for example, um, if you've ever heard people talk about, oh, every culture has a flood myth, isn't that mysterious? Like, what is it about floods that we're all drawn to to incorporate in our myths? Or like every culture has had like, or there's like a ton of cultures with a sun god, or there's a ton of cultures with like mermaids or, you know stuff like that. It's like there are these repeated ideas from different time periods in different areas of the world where it's like, where does that come from? What is the underlying common factor? Um, Mm -hmm. So that was something that he was thinking about. And then another concept of his that might apply is something called the shadow, which are repressed or unknown aspects of your personality. Um, This is very similar to some of Freud's ideas about um, like well, like Freudian slips, it's like something from your unconscious mind coming out into the open, um, which Jung and Freud did work together for a while. So probably partially why they have some similarities. But mm-hmm. uh, basically, the only thing potentially relevant with the shadow is that failing to address the shadow or develop it causes an, an inability to fully develop yourself or reach self-actualization. Okay. 
And last thing I want to cover before we get into the lore. Um, last time <laughs> we tried to record this, Clayton had a question about why do these elements, ideas, philosophies seem to appeal so much to Japanese or Eastern storytellers? Because you have lots of media like Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, like Angel's Egg, um, like Ergo Proxy, like uh, Evangelion. Like what? Why are they so drawn to discussing these ideas or or referencing these ideas? Um, I did find a kind of suitable answer um, in a YouTube video called Western versus Eastern Storytelling. What's the difference by Literature Devil? Um, and in this video, basically, um, he talks about he references briefly how Buddhism and Confucianism, um, which are widely spread Eastern religions, place an emphasis on personal enlightenment. And like we kind of hit on earlier, Gnosticism and Kabbalah are both um, both looking for that um, element of enlightenment, like internal reflection um, that will produce a more thorough understanding of how the world works around you or being able to um, exist and like have a positive effect on that world or whatever. That's That's sort of like, I think, the common ground between all of this and why they like to pull from it so much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Let's tell me why this is Kingdom Hearts. Why is yes? (laughs) (laughs) So to do that, we're going to have to go through the Ansem Report summaries. I will try to do this as fast as I can. So in Ansem Report number one, Ansem has a hypothesis that darkness lives in every heart. Ansem Report number two. He's just like, you know, I think it's dark in there. You know, guys, (laughs) I bet it's like hollow and dark in there. I've been having these weird thoughts lately. Like, is any of this for real? Yeah, <laughs> or not? Yeah. I that was a weird opening. That it stuck out to me it was striking, just like yes. the uh, the text on screen and then the emphasis on like certain words. Interesting. Yes, and that is also a thing that's going to be repeated in I think Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three. I don't remember if it's repeated in the not mainline games but yeah each each one starts with like a funky little quote from from sora that's supposed to be i guess thematically relevant anyway Mm -hmm. ansem report number two ansem comes up with an experiment um and this experiment is to extract darkness from a heart cultivate darkness in a pure heart suppress and amplify the darkness in a heart when he does this this results in the test subjects having their hearts collapse their bodies sort of, I think they become like either comatose or like catatonic or something. Poof. So he shoves them in a dungeon somewhere. And when he does that and comes back and checks on them, he notices that Heartless are beginning to show up and lurk around those bodies. So. I wonder if these were willing test subjects. What's up with this? I Just kidnap some willing. dudes? I don't know. I think he might have been kidnapping people, if I'm being honest. Interesting. Yeah, this dude killed bugs 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He started with bugs. He started with bugs. He was trying to to cultivate darkness in the heart of a bug. We should have seen this coming. But. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ansem report number three, what are heartless? He has some possible answers. A, people who lost their hearts. B, incarnation of darkness from the hearts. Or C, something else. He's like, I That's don't know. kind of the answer to everything. I mean, <laughs> so if most- you're asking what is blank... A, people who lost their hearts. B, incarnation of darkness from hearts. C, something else. That applies to literally everything. 
Yeah. He cannot lose. Picking this up. What is this? Could be any three, any of these three options. Yeah. Could be a water bottle. Could be a jug. Could be something else. Could be something else. Could be something else. I like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> Report number four. He discovers that heartless feed off living creatures. They are intrin- or sorry, instinctually driven to consume hearts, which then creates more heartless. Very much like zombies. Yes. Like we discussed previously. We did discuss. I can't help it. I can't help it. I know. I can't either. Because it's weird because it's just me talking to you. But there are other people listening. They just couldn't hear us last time. Right. Right. (laughs) Report number five. There is a hidden door with a keyhole and a huge energy mass behind it that the Heartless are drawn to. And I would just like to reiterate that this is happening on Hollow Bastion. So he found a hidden door within Hollow Bastion with a keyhole. And uh, yeah, number six, the energy mass that he found is the heart of the world, the heart of Hollow Bastion. And from that, he sort of infers that all worlds also have a heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, not entirely relevant, but he wants us to know that meteor, a meteor shower happened and it dropped gummy blocks from the sky. That's a random 2 a.m. thought right there. That's... Yeah. So if you want to... Um, Build yourself a little Lego ship and do some inner world travel. Just, mm-hmm. I guess, wait for a meteor shower. Man, there was a period of time where I was journaling like this. And occasionally I would write something down randomly, maybe in the morning, as soon as I wake up, that sounds very profound. And then I'd come back and realize that I wrote meteor shower drops gummy blocks or something like that, <laughs> which I assume is what happened here. Yeah, this was his, he hadn't had his coffee yet. Like he just like rolled out of bed. He was like, oh, gummy blocks. Um, gummy blocks, meteor showers. It all makes sense I now. I gotta write it down. <laughs> Number eight, heartless are connected to people's hearts somehow. Um, Ansem manages <laughs> to quote unquote replicate conditions and create an artificial heartless. He thinks that this process could lead to the ability to create an artificial heart from nothing. So that's cool. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number nine, Keyblades can lock or unlock the doors to the hearts of worlds. This is why Keyblade wielders can be considered either forces of salvation or complete destruction. Because if you lock the world heart door thing, then the heartless can't get in it and the zombie plague won't spread. Or you could fling the door wide open. And fuck everyone over. I have a question. Yes. Do these keyblades just appear? Are they designated to a certain keyhole for a certain world? Is there something like that? Is someone making these keyblades? That is an excellent question. And one that I don't think I have the answers to. So any any keyblade can unlock any lock keyhole. locked door. Not even, very secure. Lock yeah, even lawyer random ass... <laughs> Even random ass locks, like the lock to your house, a keyblade could unlock it. You just have to point the key at the thing and it'll boop and shoot it. Bam. Yeah. Just like a normal key. Whoever made this game had no idea. I'd never used a key before (laughs) in his life. It's like a big, big unwieldy sword. Oh, Um, that's so cool. You just point at it and it unlocks. No. No. Are you a 30 year old man? You should know how this works. Yeah. In early concept art, did you know it used to be a chainsaw? (laughs) (laughs) Like a chainsaw sword. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god of course it did yeah you don't have to unlock the door you just cut through it you just cut down the door don't worry about yeah. it there's like wood splinters flying everywhere oh, um anyway but uh yeah so number 10 heartless are born 
somehow from the darkness of people's hearts. Once freed, they seek to return to a greater heart. In this instance, the next biggest heart is the world's heart. And then he hypothesizes, is the core of the world's heart the world of the heartless? Um, And I think the idea here is that within a human heart, you have like a little bit of darkness because the human heart's like smaller. And when you have a world heart, it's it's humongous. So then you have like a big blob of darkness in it. And that's the heartless. You're like, I I need to go there. I need that. That's my home. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what's going on. Uh, Number 11, unlocking the world's heart and allowing heartless in leads to that world's collapse. Anthem hypothesizes that princesses of heart, aka girls with no darkness in their hearts, and keyblades are connected. He sends a princess of heart out of his world to test that hypothesis. And that princess of heart that he, I guess, just shot off into an inner world rocket or something was Kyrie. Um, (laughs) So Kyrie is from Hollow Bastion. Um, and she actually wound up at Destiny Islands with, I guess, technically two Keyblade wielders, which would be Riku and Sora. So mm-hmm. maybe his hypothesis has some some merit to it. Um, anyway, number 12. Ansem successfully separates a heart from a body, but the body keeps its identity and memories. Um, when the heart is reunited with its resulting heartless, the body mysteriously vanishes and then he has this kind of separate idea that the realm of darkness is in Kingdom Hearts, which is where the hearts of worlds connect. And then number 13, finally, Anthem has one last hypothesis. If the body and heart are separated, the soul remains in the body. If a heart and its heartless are reunited, the body is just kind of teleported somewhere else. He doesn't quite know where yet. And the body is like a shell left out of the equation. So somehow like a paradox that shouldn't exist because. Yeah. Um, Ansem dubs this shell of a body that shouldn't exist as nobody. Nobody? Um, that, nobody. Like the Mitski song. Like no space body. All one word. Nobody. Mm, okay. Yep. Very I mean, it, it is kind of subtle. ironic because, it, yeah, it's no body, but it is comprised of the body. Yeah, I The guess leftover body. Anyway. And we are some bodies. I learned yes. that as well. Yes, we are. We are somebody's um that whole like nobody thing isn't it'll be way more relevant in kingdom hearts 2 but we're not we're not quite there yet we're not there yet it'll be relevant in chain of memories as well um but we're also okay we're not there yet is chain of memories a ps2 game it is well wait there is re chain of memories which is the remake of chain of memories because chain of memories was on the game boy advanced a remake like a yeah like not so not pixel art anymore no interesting fully 3d fully 3d mm-hmm. okay so there's kingdom hearts 2 and rechain of memories yes and rechain of memories it is important to play rechain of memories before you play 2 oh because okay. kingdom hearts does this wild thing where even in the most random ass sounding spin-off game they they have like critical lore in everything Mm. um so it it is important to play it but well that's good how many off the top of your head how does the series go oh my god like like in release order or in i guess in release order or i mm, i think it goes kingdom hearts then i think it goes chain of memories on the game boy 
Yeah, Kingdom no Hearts... need for remakes if that's not yeah, yeah, yeah. relevant. Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay. Um, Birth by Sleep. Kingdom Hearts Coded, maybe? Coded? Which I think was a mobile game. A mobile game, okay. And that, Because then there's Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Recoded? Which is a remake on the DS, I think. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um... I th- what well, I think 358 over two days might have been before coded, but maybe not. Right for the DES. And then after that, I think is Dream Drop Distance. Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, I think I remember this being a title. And then after that is, um. It might have been the mobile, the other mobile game. <laughs> Going back to mobile, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think it was point, Kingdom Hearts point two. Point two, okay. We're going and then to. And there was like a, a freaking 2.8 prologue key back cover cross something or other that I don't I think quite it, remember. I remember that one and I thought it was somehow a joke or a mistake on the yeah. PlayStation Store. No. Because it was literally like Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Prologue Final Mix Deluxe Edition. Pretty much. Go fuck yourself if you're trying to figure out where this belongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at some point after that mess is when we got Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom which Hearts 3. ties everything together. Well, just about everything in a very chaotic way. That's insanity. But. This whole thing is... they. This is not artistic choice. This is fucking with us, right? Like, <laughs> um, one thing that I think about on the regular is how uh, Namura, the guy who like, I guess is like in charge of Kingdom Hearts as a whole or whatever, daddy um, of Kingdom Hearts for for the game. It's a, it was originally on the PSP. The game Birth by Sleep. He said, "Oh." I want to make a game with the title Birth by Sleep and then built everything about the game around what he wanted the title to be, which that is seems most, a little back ass words. But. That is the most insane thing. I was told you're not <laughs> even meant to like, like wh- the way I understand game development is you create the game's mechanics. Yes. Then you create the story. That's how I understand game development for the most part. I guess it doesn't I, even have to be that way. You could do story before gameplay or something, but yeah, you doing could. a title before everything is a little bit fucking crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. This man should be looked after. He needs <laughs> to keep tabs on this man. Yeah. Because yeah, now um, Zora's like, or not Zora, Sora. Zora is uh, One Piece. Uh, but Sora is like a realistic boy now. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts he, 4. He's got he toes. Somehow. Fingers? Yeah. And I don't like what they did to his hair. I don't like he's his got, hair anymore. <laughs> I know that's such a shallow hair. thing, but yeah. Oh, and then also there is Yozora, who is sort of like a real world counterpart to Sora, and he's voiced by Dylan Sprouse. So <laughs> do with that what you will. Um, yeah. Anyway. Kingdom Hearts 4 looks like. A unity asset flip from just like as far as it shouldn't exist. It looks like that those videos of like I remade Zelda in Unreal 4 or something like that. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. 
I guess we'll see when it comes out. I haven't really been following it that closely. Um, just because yeah, I'm why would you? a little lost in the sauce. Um, after I... what all happened with three. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to the lore implications. <laughs> let's get back on track with this. Yeah. Okay. So after after all that uh, philosophy 101, after the, the lore dump with the answer reports, what the hell does all this mean? And what are the, the lore implications? So I would like to, I guess, theorize or propose that the battle of light versus darkness is occurring on a microcosm, macrocosm level similar to Jewish Kabbalah. Where we have microcosms, which are the human hearts, macrocosms, which are the world hearts. And then based on the fact that the rules for human and world hearts and their susceptibility to darkness seems to be the same, this is what makes Ansem hypothesize the kingdom hearts must contain like hella darkness. Like the, the biggest known quantity of darkness is within kingdom hearts. Um, but yeah. Understanding the nature of heartless can also be better understood possibly via Jewish Kabbalah. So why are the heartless slash darkness a thing? We have several like parallel ideas, like maybe darkness is a necessary component of a heart slash existence. Um, it's kind of confusing as to whether or not this is the case because we have the princesses of heart that lack darkness in their hearts, but also... When I was thinking about it, there are other cases in Kingdom Hearts where someone gets the darkness within their heart, like, yoinked out of them, and it, like, breaks them. Like, mm -hmm. they they can't, like, recover from that on their own. They need someone else to come in and, like, mend the heart before they can function like a person again. Kind of bizarre. Um, there's also the idea that maybe darkness is a parallel to light. Maybe it's kind of like the force and you have to have a little bit of both to keep everything in balance. Or maybe darkness is due to imbalances created by beings with hearts. Personally, I feel like it's kind of a combination of the first and second, or sorry, the first and the third points. So like maybe it's like a necessary component of existence, but due to people's actions or like negative behaviors or whatever it throws the whole like system out of whack i don't know but it's it's interesting to think about an additional note on jewish kabbalah is that kingdom hearts may be a stand-in for the sephirot so sort of like how how i was explaining earlier how the sephirot is like this interconnected tree that um is sort of like comprised of all of the emanations of god in this case um Kingdom Hearts is the 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 thing that connects all the worlds together and the worlds are, sort of take the place of the emanations, if that makes sense. Um, because like I think Ansem said in one of his journals, like, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is like what connects all the worlds together. And then understanding the nature of Heartless and Princesses of Heart can be understood via Gnosticism. So Heartless are from the darkness. They are beings furthest from Gnosis and Enlightenment and are therefore operating on baser instincts. So kind of how Ansem said they are instinctually drawn to like feed. Like there's no like higher level thinking going on in their little Heartless brains. Mm. Um, unless you're a really powerful Heartless, then you still kind of get to have your your thinking and reasoning, but whatever. Um Princesses of Heart uh, fits the idea of women being the source of wisdom and enlightenment. So sort of like Sophia, like Eve. Um, yep. If you're a lady, you have an extra special connection to enlightenment, I guess. Okay. Yeah. 
Understanding the relationship of heart and body, I think, is better explained with the the Gnostic outlook rather than the Western Christian understanding. Um, so, like, if you think about, like, I guess, Christian thinking or philosophy, um, we have this idea of, like, mind, body, and soul. Whereas in Kingdom Hearts, it's kind of confusing because it seems to be broken into heart, body, and soul. Um, And that always really confused me as a kid because I feel like in Christianity or in maybe other discussions, heart and soul are sort of like interchangeable ideas or terms or whatever. Um, Is it not in this game? I kind of felt like the whole heart thing was soul. It's See, that's why I think it's kind of better understood with the Gnostic concept because it's like... Yeah, you could say a heart is a person's soul in that it is the thing that makes them... I mean, it's it's the thing that connects them to, like, the light, I guess. Um, whereas, like, in our understanding, our soul is the thing that connects us to God or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but why I say the Gnostic concepts are a better fit is in Gnosticism, we have the psyche, a.k.a. soul, we have the body, and we have the pneuma, a.k.a. spirit. And I think that's more directly aligned with Ansem con- Ansem's concepts of soul, body, and heart, um, just because we have that that distinction between, like your your personality and your ability to think, and then we have this other distinct element, the pneuma, that is your connection to the divine or to light. Um, and if we go along with that like line of thinking, heartless are derived from the pneuma slash heart portion, while the paradoxical nobody is derived from the soul and body that were left behind. So if the soul is the thing that that contains your personality and like your ability to think or whatever, then it makes sense that if that's stuck with the body, that it could still function like a soulless or a heartless human being, I guess. Um, but yeah. Because that 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 is something that we will see with nobodies in the future, where it's like, yeah, they have a personality, they seem like a like a complete person, but apparently they're not. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, let me just. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes real quick. One last idea that is presented in the lore that I am still having a hard time wrapping my head around is this idea that when a heart and its heartless are reunited, I don't understand why they don't reunite with the body and soul that were left behind like does does the the heart and heartless reunited just generate a brand new body and then what happens to the chunk that's left over or is that the thing that i don't know i'm still like a little confused about that because like sora loses his body i guess when he becomes a heartless and then Kyrie hugs him and then his body reappears and it looks like him but is that not the same body i don't know <sighs> Something to think about. Something is it kind I'm of like how we shed about. all of our cells every like three months or whatever and we're just brand new people? Oh, I didn't think about that. That is weird to think about. Yeah. Huh. Is it also or fun like, to think that like, you know, if you break up everything about us, we're just a bunch of dead things? <laughs> um, I have heard the human body described as a bog with a conscience. Yeah. Where does the or conscious come in? Isn't that weird? I don't. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. How, how how many cells do you take away before? Like, or how many cells, like how many, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> like the, um, 
like the pile of sand metaphor how many grains of sand do you remove until it stops until like at some point it's not it turns from a pile into just little grains of sand or something i don't know yeah yeah i think i butchered that metaphor but i tried no anyway i got it (laughs) (laughs) all right so that being said that concludes my unhinged lore discussion maybe i left you with more questions than answers but i think that's okay because that's just kind of what kingdom hearts does to you so there there you have it speaking of leaving us with more questions and answers yes morgan i've got some i got some questions and you've got some explaining to do i do okay when it comes to the combat of this game okay (laughs) i guess um so i'm gonna come out with a hot take right away and i'm not even sure like I know people love this game. I don't know what aspects of it they love necessarily. Maybe it's just like the setting, the world. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a well-produced game too. I imagine if you played this as a kid, you'd be like, yeah, that's what good games are. So I don't even know. But me playing this 25-year-old adult, um, <laughs> 23 when we started this, right? Yeah. That's strange, it's been isn't two it? two years. That's strange. It is weird. That ain't right. <laughs> it's unnatural. <laughs> it's unnatural. Um, oh my god. I've been making videos for 10 years on the internet for just fun at this point. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not a huge fan of the sort of fundamental aspect of the game's combat where it is a mix of this hack and slash gameplay with menu-based like RPG elements of like selecting spells and healing equipment and stuff like that. There's no like commands for, well, there actually are commands for Donald and Goofy, but those are like dedicated to buttons, which are more helpful. So basically my main complaint is there are certain sections where it becomes very clunky to have to scroll through a menu to interact with like a key object or a gameplay mechanic of a boss fight, and then make sure that you're also scrolling back to attack. It's just a little clunky, a little unintuitive. I don't know if Mm. you agree, disagree, if it bothered you as much as me. I imagine this is something you can just get used to, but I find it unintuitive, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I think think it was was clunky, not just because... I mean, like, when you're in an intense fight... And the situation is getting kind of dire. And then you have to scroll. You have to be paying attention to what's going on in the fight. You have to be dodging everything. And you have to be scrolling on this like little sub menu in the corner mm-hmm. of your screen at the same time. It gets kind of hectic. Yep. And there are times where you fumble it mm-hmm. and don't do the action. And you accidentally like use a potion or cast a spell you didn't mean to. It gets kind of annoying. It feels like the equivalent of like if you had to look down at your controller to make sure you're hitting the right button. It's like mm-hmm. I have to take my eyes off the action to look at this menu to make sure yeah. that I'm selecting the right action, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I know that you mentioned that in Final Mix or 1.5 or whatever the next version is that some of the contextual stuff gets moved to like triangle as like a prompt yes it does yeah which is a better it's a better system uh Mm -hmm. and i think that would be more manageable but even like the limited amount of like uh like quick selected spells that you could set up i felt like it was not enough 
um, because there's a lot of there's a fair amount of spells by the end of the game, and a lot of them are pretty useful. Like I'm pretty much always equip, uh, equipping arrow during a fight, and um, mm-hmm. sometimes leading with gravity if it's bosses or not bosses, but just like big enemies or something. And I'm curing. I'm using thunder to just chip a bunch of an- enemies. It's like fire if it's like too far away like i'm switching between more spells than i can set up little spell slots for so i have to go back yeah. into that menu which it always felt bad felt bad to me yeah and it's also like because there there are some spells that are way more in certain boss fights for example than others mm-hmm. and you don't know that ahead of time so it's like you can walk yeah. into a fight unprepared and there's no way for you to like swap out what is your like what's in your shortcut menu they absolutely should have left some of those options available to you during the boss fight because that's just like a that is such a easy situation to get into where you're in the midst of the boss fight and you're like man it'd be really helpful if i had i don't know fire on one of my quick selected spells again or something like that um yeah so yeah, yeah. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, talking about magic, I think that the feedback for like casting damaging spells and stuff like that, certain ones had better visual feedback for like connecting with the enemy, uh, like gravity and stuff like that, where they get squished. But yeah, or stop, I felt, or stop, or stop. What did stomp? Stop, what did stop do? It freezes enemies in did place. Did it freeze them? Okay. Yeah. I didn't actually use it ever. I don't oh. Think. I think yeah, I no, tried to use helpful. it once and then I didn't connect with it and I'm like, it must be broken. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think that, but I'm like, I'm not good with this. I'm not going to use it. Um, but yeah. Or like Blizzard kind of is better because the bigger... I think it progresses as you level Blizzard up, but... There's like a crystal that forms on the enemy whenever it connects. So that's like Mm -hmm. a better visual indicator. I felt like fire was not very like, like especially early in the game. It's like, oh, cast fire. It's like, did I hit him? I don't even know because I don't have scan yet. So it's like, there's no way to tell (laughs) almost. Thunder's a little bit similar to that too. It's like, is the range for thunder shorter than I think it is? It's hard, hard to know. I feel like, in general, magic was, you know, it was tough to tell whenever you're progressing, like, uh, or chipping away the health bar or something like that. I felt like scan was basically required for pretty much every aspect of the game because I feel mm-hmm. like I need to know what's, how much damage I'm doing. Um, and there's no, like, visual, there's no, like, diegetic feedback on, like, actually whittling away at an enemy's health. Like, they don't, like, start yeah. crumpling or losing limbs or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, one thing I also want to point out about Scan. So, you know how in the game, when at the very start you pick, like, the sword, the staff, or the shield, and then you give one up? Yes. Um, and how those affect your starting stats? They also affect um, what abilities you unlock at which level. Oh, and there is a specific setup that you can pick that will not give you scan until I think around level forty. I so, wonder if that was me. 
When did you get scan? Later. <laughs> what? I think I got it later. Oh my god. It felt I like think... it took a while. Oh, I was going to say I'm pretty sure before you started playing I told you to do a specific thing because I knew that it would give you scan early. I did it wrong, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Well. I, what did you tell you told me to pick the sword? Yeah, give up the shield. Or no, sorry, give up the staff. Give up the staff. Yeah. Or sorry, my neighbors are practicing um I I don't know, taijutsu or something right now. So okay. there might be some banging in in the <laughs> mic. But um Yeah, you said give up this give up the staff. So what I did was I was like, oh, I better pick the shield. So I picked the shield for the second time because in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm picking two of the things I want. And oh, no, I was giving up the shield. No. Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't read. That was my, that's <laughs> usually my undoing. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I wonder which, which setup you got. Um, but yeah, it can, it can vastly, it can change your experience quite a bit. Yeah. I was, I was fairly weak. <laughs> yeah it was a little bit of a glass cannon the whole game yeah so <laughs> that'll do it yeah uh not recommended <laughs> yeah um one suggestion one one idea that i had i guess was to take the numbers that you get whenever you um like do damage to an enemy in final fantasy 10 and probably mm -hmm. other final fantasies as well but to have that in this game, I feel like would have been maybe fairly rewarding to see that number get bigger as you get better gear and level up mm -hmm. your strength stat. Um, or maybe just like a better like visual indicator of like, okay, see, I know that this Keyblade is stronger, but I don't have like a great grasp on what that means. So it's like, okay, I'm going to battle with this one, and then I'm going to battle with this one. So it's like, oh, the number went from 36 to 42. So it's like, I know it's like, I see that it's stronger. Yeah, um, yeah. As opposed to trying to, like, gauge a health bar. Um, yeah. So yeah. I will say that the feedback, I think, improves in Kingdom Hearts 2 because they they basically like improved the visual effect of the health bar getting chipped down to where you can like see more clearly the amount of damage you just did mm -hmm. um so to me they kind of fixed it a little bit and made it a little bit more satisfying but yeah i think i think the numbers thing is like an interesting interesting solution that would work yeah and it feels like it's appropriate because it's just co-opting something from final fantasy yeah so yeah. which is you know they're in the game um mm -hmm. or maybe it would have been like a fun aspect of scan where it also does that i don't know yeah or i feel like honestly scan shouldn't be an ability though it should just be part of the game um it is weird to lock like something as basic as a health bar behind an ability mm -hmm. <laughs> i felt that way in final fantasy where scan yeah. is like a character thing um at some point they did kind of ditch that idea but not mm -hmm. in Kingdom Hearts. Not in Kingdom Hearts. I think we're still hanging on to the scan ability. <laughs> okay, Morgan, I want to ask you about summons. Okay. I know from our previous conversation that you do not use them too much, but No. I forgot which <laughs> one which one do you like the most? Maybe just in concept. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I am I, I think the most partial to Simba because I am a Lion King girly. 
Mm-hmm. This explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> um, big fan of Tinkerbell. Also explains a lot. Um, and she was just like, I felt, I, from the tier list, the, the only tier list I saw, because I'm like, which of these summons is the best? And they were like, Tinkerbell. And I'm like, mm. oh, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the lookout for when I get Tinkerbell. Um, she just basically heals you constantly throughout the fight or like whatever yeah. fight, whenever you summon her. And that feels kind of busted because you got like <laughs> Donald healing you as well. So it's just like yeah. you don't really have to think about your health for a little bit and you can just kind of wail away at a boss or something. It's good. It's good. She also heals the other party members as well. So you don't have to worry oh, about like. Oh, that's nice. I don't know if she revives them. Mm. Not positive. Not positive. Okay. Speaking of busted, um, there is, I don't know if you would call it a bug or a manipulation with Mushu, um, where you can basically, so like Mushu shoots like a bunch of projectiles really fast and they kind of do like chip damage from a distance. There's like some sort of manipulation you can do to overwrite that chip damage with the like big final hit of Sora's melee attack combo. Whoa, okay. And then when that happens, you just use Mushu to like melt boss health bars. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know exactly how to do it, but I've seen it in practice and it is pretty wild and busted. (laughs) What's the hardest? What's like the biggest boss in the game? Is it Sephiroth? Sephiroth, yes. Okay. (laughs) I would love to see a Mushu just annihilate Sephiroth. I don't know. Can you summon can you summon Mushu without your party members? there oh i'm I'm struggling to remember how wait do you have to fight sephiroth by yourself you do don't you i thought you did i think you're right i think you You do do in kingdom hearts too spoilers spoilers (laughs) he's back (laughs) so many sephiroth spoilers um did you play the remake of seven jesus christ i don't know what is going on (laughs) oh i can't hear anything but yeah they can (laughs) um (laughs) I did. I did. I played up until. I'm trying to remember. Oh, see, so there's like a it. a motorcycle guy you fight, mm-hmm. and I beat that boss fight, and then. But yeah, I have played the remake. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Didn't beat it, but I, I have played a decent amount of it. Yeah, I was curious if you were going to get into the rebirth whenever it comes out, but I guess I guess not yet. If you ever do, yeah. No, I'm interested. I'll get to mm-hmm. it eventually. Just it's been yeah. Busy. It's one of the few <laughs> games that has released like a demo. That was kind of a big deal. Good for I think, them. Last week, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, I it's a bit of that. it's a bit of like, I, I mean, it's obviously just marketing for them, but I feel like mm-hmm. a demo is a fairly risky thing, but a very like pro consumer addition to like mm-hmm. your marketing rollout or whatever for a game. Because I think Silent Hills did that as well and it kind of mm. turned a lot of people off of the game that Oof. i'm sure would have bought it and then figured out whether or not they liked it so yikes um so that's it is i mean that's why it's good though i mean from yeah. the consumer perspective because you get an idea on whether or not you actually want to spend 60 bones 60 big ones on it or 70 i don't know how much games cost anymore mm-hmm. but yeah uh continuing with the boss fight thing uh i just i feel like now is a good time to mention 
if we didn't already mention it in like the earlier sections, but this game is like really hard. It's like surprisingly difficult. And it's this is, you know, this is my second JRPG, I guess. So I'm aware that grinding is, you know, like JRPGs are they're skill. They're like a skill <laughs> thing. But at the same time, it is more like a you it's like you always have the option to make things easier by investing time and grinding. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? So there's sure. like it's not that it removes the fact that there is a skill element to some extent, but playing the game like I was playing it, which was pretty much just taking fights as they came. Um for the most part, I did skip a couple things here and there, but like for the most part I'm just fighting what I see. I'm not like going back in and out of doors and grinding on enemies or anything like that. And I feel like that level of difficulty was surprisingly high for what is ultimately a children's game. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, there's like many, just like the way that the game structures like saves and stuff like that. Um, not to mention the unskippable cutscenes. Um, it's just punishing to die. Like, in a boss fight or in just like i don't know if you're just like 15 minutes away from your last save point or something like that it's uh it's painful and it can happen kind of fast and might not might not always be prepared for it um yeah and unlike the final mix version well yeah you already said you can't skip cutscenes the final mix version or sorry the 1.5 version also has an easy mode so <laughs> Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, the, the normal mode, I, I do kind of question, like, how well balanced it is for children. No, yeah. When <laughs> I was as a child, I struggled. Yes. Like, I looked at a couple Kingdom Hearts videos, and I was seeing a lot of people in the comments being like, oh, I never got to this part, or something like that, and stuff like yep. that. It's like, man, I could not get past, like the Colosseum as a kid or anything like that. So, and also yeah. just kind of confusing. Like there's some like level design aspects that are like navigation is a little bit obtuse. Yeah. Or like the, the objective that it like wants you to do is not obvious. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, you have to navigate through this confusing map to this specific spot to get mm -hmm. this cutscene and trigger. And it's like, you don't, there's not a good way to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, while I, while I do genuinely like aspects of this game, like there's a lot of things to like, but mm -hmm. this is, I feel like one of the glaring sort of problems almost with the game is, uh, I don't know, just why is it so hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the final boss gauntlet is like, what is it? Six, seven separate boss fights. Yeah in a row just in one go like i think there might be like one spot where you can like re-equip some stuff mm -hmm. but it's like man this is rough and granted the it's front loaded with the hard ones in my opinion but still it's like yeah. an endurance battle and uh mm -hmm. it's a lot to ask of a of a child a mere child yeah for there's sure. a lot to ask of me so <laughs> But yeah, I'm curious, if I had to pick a hardest, I would probably go with the Riku fight, mm -hmm. um, just because it 
it is like it feels like as you progress into the later stages of it there's like such a such a small amount of time to actually damage him it's like a real like test of patience it felt like mm-hmm. but i'm curious what in your opinion is like the hardest boss fight or just yeah. the least liked in your opinion yeah i've never had like too much trouble with riku like i don't remember any instances of being stuck there um and i know like on my most recent run i beat him first try <laughs> yeah but um and i think and that was on proud mode as well but oh. anyway um i hate ursula so much i hate fighting ursula i hate boss fights that are heavily magic based and um ones where like you the the boss is like floating in space and you just you have to like glide or swim around them a whole bunch i kind of hate that Mm -hmm. it's annoying slipping and sliding around and the constant lightning spam is really annoying Mm -hmm. yeah that's my least favorite yeah that one feels like the mechanic of the boss pipe the core mechanic is like not the most responsive so Mm -hmm. that contributes to the frustration for sure yeah I didn't like her. Uh, Big Ursula made me feel uncomfy. Um, her eyes bug out and like go cross-eyed or like mm-hmm. get stuck. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> Just too close to her face. And she kept dragging you in closer with her big suck or whatever. Her big suck attack. Yeah. Yeah. Big suck attack. Um, suffering suck suffering attack. Suffering suck attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, Morgan, I'm kind of curious how you play, how you approach this jrpg or just jrpgs in general are you a grinder do you enjoy a little bit of a grind um it depends on i think i don't know because like okay so i love the sphere grid in final fantasy 10 i get a lot of satisfaction Mm -hmm. from filling out those little bubbles yeah i agree (laughs) and I had a similar experience with it's Final like Fantasy wrap. 12. It's like a yeah. big bubble wrap sheet. Exactly. <laughs> um, I had um, a similar experience with Final Fantasy 12, which has, I guess, we haven't gotten to that game. We haven't covered that game yet, but it has like a like a, a board that you sort oh. of navigate around on, and it has like, lice, they're called licenses. Okay. Um, and when you invest in licenses, it unlocks more licenses. And so that is very easy for me to get sucked into and be like, I have to... I have to fill out all the boxes right now. Um, (laughs) But like Kingdom Hearts, I never, as I've gotten older and like more mechanically skilled with the games when I was a kid, yeah, sometimes I would have to stop and go grind a few levels before trying a boss fight again because I would get stuck. Um, But as an adult, for the most part, I just sort of like roll with every encounter that comes like if i'm you know how you said it kind of felt Mm -hmm. like filler in in your notes at least you said it felt like filler when heartless would respawn in a room every time you went through i would actually stop and kill them so i was always at at like an optimal (laughs) level to be doing whatever i was doing because i would just gather the xp along the way so Mm -hmm. did you yeah Mm, okay i'll get into this in a second actually i won't i won't i won't jumble up our sections too much but Mm -hmm. um did you struggle at all with the camera controls? Because to me, I felt like they were somewhat of an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I like the control 
for them. I thought for like, grant everyone's trying to figure out camera controls right now. It feels like as far as like <laughs> yeah. developers in the PS2 era, but I felt like the uh, R2 L2 control for the camera uh, was like weird to me at first, but then I started doing it in other games and I'm like, oh, I guess this makes sense because I'm, it's like stuck in my brain now. So it wasn't yeah. too bad. Um, I, I definitely got used to it on the PS2 version. I mean, like as a kid, I struggled hardcore with it just because my my short little fingers couldn't always reach the L2 and R2 <laughs> buttons. But um, also now it's not a problem for me. Um, and it, it's almost like kind of nice to. I don't know. It didn't it didn't feel like wrong or like uncomfortable like once you get used to it you're used to it um but for 1.5 um they switched it to where i don't know if it's an option you can toggle but you can control the camera with the left stick mm. okay yeah i feel like that'd be so nice they did they 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 did mm-hmm. <laughs> they did update camera controls for 1.5 i feel like i had issues with some geometry like in yeah. many of the games we play where mm-hmm. being in like an interior setting kind of made things feel more claustrophobic than they needed to. Um, when in regards to like moving the camera and looking around and stuff, I also felt like the lock-on system was like a a good idea. Correct, you know, for this type of game, it's like okay, it's a hack and slash, but and there's like an auto lock-on thing, which I think might actually be the better way to try to play the game where it just locks onto the closest thing next to you and you walk around and that is you locking onto something essentially. But sometimes when it's like a bunch of the same enemies, it's nice to be able to lock onto one and focus mm-hmm. on that one. But um, on that same note, when there's like a lot of enemies, it's sometimes hard because sometimes you get a little jumbled around and you like lose track of whatever enemy you're trying to like attack or whatever and then you gotta like cycle through everybody it's just a little a little too much especially with like boss appendages and stuff like yeah. that yeah yeah it's um, like no i want to lock on the hands not the feet mm-hmm. or the torso or what yeah it's and it has like some method of determining what you're cycling through and what order just like how close you are to it i think but mm-hmm. yeah it, it's just a little clunky it's it wasn't like too unbearable. There were moments where it was tough when I, when there were like particularly large amounts of enemies, but uh, I don't know. I managed. It's just yeah. It's not the best. It's not the best I've seen. Oh yeah, I have one more one more note on the combat mechanics. Um and that's for the party comps. So mm-hmm. going to each world, you meet up with like an additional party member usually the protagonist of that particular story um and to add them to your party pretty much you always seemingly want to add them to your party like they're usually pretty strong and it's give or take but you have to opt to leave out either goofy or donald to bring them with Mm -hmm. you and i was not a fan of that i'm like i want all the boys together i want my boys with me but i also want you know, Ariel with me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And also when you switch out Donald or Goofy for the Disney party member, you also lose the option to do Trinities. 
to get yeah items. and that's annoying that's mm-hmm. that's mad clunky because sometimes you need the trinities to progress so mm. it's like oh i gotta all right i mean they conveniently put a save point right here but it yeah. is clunky to be like okay now i got to go and do and then it's like wait why did you even make it this way to begin with like this yeah. isn't like if it was like optional like like let's say the the additional characters were always way better than Donald or Goofy then it's like oh okay then it's like i get a bonus a little bonus item or whatever for bringing Donald and Goofy which is like taking the harder route mm-hmm. or something in this in this instance but yeah it's it's just it's just weird yeah and that that um issue with like swapping out party members that's not something that's changed until kh3 where you do get to keep everybody with you all at the same time i think so. that's the way to go yeah um so do these spinoff games also have this is maybe a dumb question morgan hmm. but do these spinoff games like birth by sleep and stuff like that do they also have disney worlds yes okay i for some reason in my brain i'm like is i'm like there's a chance that the like not spinoff but like because obviously everything is a main story for some reason but um mm-hmm. but like the non-numbered ones only focus on like kingdom Hearts stuff but yeah i guess that's not the case yeah right. every single game as far as i'm aware of except for maybe some of the um i don't remember what it's called back cover back key cover the ones with the unicorn man and the leopard man are we talking about a disney game <laughs> I don't or, not? or disney no no no, no these oh. are not disney characters i don't know if that that whole shtick whatever that is has disney stuff in it um but as far as i know everything else does okay i'll let i'll let the kingdom hearts fans decipher that one yeah um, <laughs> okay let's move into we already touched on this a little bit but let's move into character progression and customization Mm -hmm. so first question i have for you morgan is how do you feel about rpgs that lock you into a certain path based on a choice in the beginning of the game so think your oblivions think other games I am thinking of Dragon Age Origins. Dragon Age Origins. And Mass Effect. And, and I am totally fine with that, actually. It's a it's a very like old school thing to do. I feel like most games now have respecking. Like Baldur's Gate theoretically yeah. would be like this, where it's like, oh, you're making a very consequential choice at the very beginning. And you kind of are with some things. You can't change everything. Like you can't mm-hmm. change your race, your gender, or your god or deity. Um but you can change your class, which is, I think, an appropriate level of like, you're committing to some things, but you're not committing to absolutely everything. You're mm-hmm. given like a little bit of flexibility to be like, okay, actually, I'd like to try being a sorcerer or something like that. So I think that's neat. But I do respect a game that's like, all right, you're picking a, you're picking a, you're picking a lane and you're sticking to it. Yeah. It's neat. Yep. And this game That's obviously what... does that same thing with the mm-hmm. sword and wand and staff that we discussed, but also the discussions with Titus and Waka at the beginning of the game where you have to kind of 
very vaguely decide your progression system that you'll be adhering to in mm-hmm. regards to like gaining experience and leveling up. How do you feel about that aspect of the game? Because I feel like that's a very core. It's like picking between easy, medium, and hard, but it's veiled in a very obtuse way. Yeah, and it's not it's not on a on a way that or in a way that's going to register with any kids. No, absolutely <laughs> not, and it's permanent. <laughs> yeah, it's I. Yeah, I don't know. I think just like so when I was a kid and when I didn't understand like the choice that I was making, I was answering them based on like personality, right? Yes, yeah. kind of what it's like leading you to do. Uh-huh. And I would always get like the middle of the road option, mm-hmm. which I guess is like the normal the normal rate for leveling up because it's it's like average across the whole board. So like, but I don't I don't know. It, it's kind of a funky thing to do. I don't know why they did that. I think it's a all I maybe a foolish thing to do. Like, this is this is this kind is of the core... only game that does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a core gameplay. Th- like mechanic i guess and you're putting it at the beginning of the game and not allowing the player to change it which is you know okay maybe if you tell them what they're doing like Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which yeah i mean like you don't fully understand what you're doing with like the sword and the wand and this shield and stuff i guess but it it's heavily implied you know i was gonna say yeah at least there you can kind of like infer yes like, what the choices mean <laughs> you could you could figure that you could suss that one out but yeah asking what your favorite color of sunset is is not really what's your deepest fear oh this means you're gonna level up slow as hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> so is um because it's not like I guess I called it easy, medium, and hard, but that's not completely accurate. It's you level up faster to level 50 and then slower to the max level, level up normally, or level up slower to level 50 and faster to the max level. Yes, I think it's to level 60. 60. But yes. Is there a benefit to any particular one of those? Like, you recommended me to pick the one that's level up faster to 60. Yeah, because like as far as like um I guess level scaling goes or like what level you want to be at for the final boss, it's it's like fifty or above. Mm-hmm. Um so I knew that that would be like your the fastest way for you to get to where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um um to have like a I guess like a faster, less grindy experience. Yeah. Um But yeah, I mean like if you're gonna go for like the full level ninety nine, there might be some merits to picking the level up slow until level 60 and then level up fast because you know once you get up to level 60 you have a lot of experience you have to get before you can level up each time so i'd be curious i mean there probably is like an overall experience requirement number somewhere Mm -hmm. like someone's probably done the math or whatever but Mm -hmm. yeah that's a interesting yeah i don't know something to consider but uh so, okay. What's your favorite keyblade? We kind of already talked about this. So, mm-hmm. um, aesthetically or favorite. functionally. Okay. I'm a big fan of Oathkeeper and Oblivion. Yeah. Kingdom you are. Hearts fans will know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, they just, they just feel like a pair that belongs together, mm-hmm. you know, like light and dark. There you go. 
Yeah, I was a big fan of Oblivion. It was mm-hmm. I, I got that and I'm like, I'm going to use this. Even though I got Divine Rose at the same time, basically, which is yeah. allegedly better from the videos that I saw. But <laughs> I was like, But nah, Oblivion looks cooler. I'm using Oblivion. Yeah. I feel stronger. Because <laughs> you get like, a, also... they changed like the, the sparks or the stars and stuff yeah. when you hit stuff. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, like they this. have like different effects. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like, I like Keyblades with long reach. Yeah. This one had this game has a lot of short stubby keyblades and I don't like that. Yes. <laughs> so I also like Metal Chocobo. Um, oh yeah. Cuz yeah. that was like a long long reach from class strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got And then of course Ultima Weapon. Ultima Weapon Ultima just looks weapon. cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And obviously just default the best. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh and have you ever did you get the platinum in this game at any point? or nope not yet okay is that something that's on your list uh yes okay so have you reached max level not in kingdom hearts one in kingdom hearts two i have reached max level before all right 99 99 that's a good max level so there's like a uh, it's kind of like final fantasy where you just had like a couple different like equipment options but in final fantasy you had like a very complex sphere grid to work with to build out a character in this game you don't quite have that everyone levels up on a set path you can choose abilities and stuff which is something but for the most part everyone just has a weapon and then a handful of like item slots that alter Mm -hmm. their stats in various ways do you feel like as a as a fan of kingdom hearts Mm -hmm. uh, a player of games jrpgs and such do you feel like you have a lot of like meaningful choice in regards to building out sora gonald sora and doofy (laughs) (laughs) um not really i feel like it's mostly linear um i mean towards like the end game you can definitely swap out your ability and item loadout to make like technically different builds that are more useful in certain scenarios but you have to be familiar with the strategies and the scenarios to make that effective or like right, relevant. Right. Like if it's blind, you're not going to know what to even load out to. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I have seen a run of Kingdom Hearts um, from Stickman Sham on YouTube and I think on Twitch um, where he basically um boosted goofy's strength as much as he could like all the strength boosts he got in the game he gave him to goofy anything he could do to like up goofy's strength stat he did and then essentially beat the game with goofy like <laughs> Sora was just like the support character and goofy was the main character that's fun i like that. so you can't do that <laughs> yo i've killed and some Sora. Yeah. i don't know yep pretty much it was funny to watch <laughs> That sounds good. I mean, that's that's something that gives you enough like leeway to do something stupid like that. So yes. <laughs> I guess that's something. To me, it felt a little felt a little linear, but also I didn't feel like I was exploring quite enough. By the end, I was kind of getting into like, okay, what's the best, like what's the po- most powerful I can make my character given, you know, the fact that I'm not gonna get the ultimate weapon or whatever. Just yeah 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 you did ask me that and i was like i don't know because like i'm thinking about like he's gonna have to do all this item synthesis and i don't know (laughs) if he has like the time or the patience to go item hunting and like yeah it's fun i feel like 
stuff like this. I think I've mentioned this in another podcast, maybe Final Fantasy, but when it comes to like games with an upgrade system or like character builds and stuff, I am I start out very resistant to it. I'm like, I don't want to learn the system. Keep mm-hmm. it away from me. <laughs> I, my brain is already too full. I don't know. <laughs> but inevitably I get kind of sucked in and I'm like, all right, what's the best? How can I min-max everything? <laughs> um so it it did sink its teeth in me towards the end. Yeah. That's good. I want to discuss what is my biggest problem with this game right now in its okay. own section. Uh, and that is what I would consider to be an excessive amount of padding. I think I finished this game at like 20 something hours. And that was with save state scums and stuff like that. So <laughs> there's some lost time there, I guess. Um, yeah. Because that's like, it's essentially a perfect run through the game, but there was a lot yeah. of like rewinds. So 20 something hours. Game did not need to be 20 something hours. I think that the game. I don't I don't know what this is. It has to be intentional, is what I'm thinking, where they wanted it to be a longer experience, longer than it maybe is is warranted. Um there's many areas with what I would consider to be an excessive egregious amount of backtracking. Um mm-hmm. Tarzan's world, first example that comes to mind of like, wow, I gotta swing on these vines again. Uh, I gotta go back <laughs> down here again, and I, I feel do like this vines mini game again. Yes, <laughs> and I feel like that was partially alleviated when I was playing it by the fact that I had a guide telling me where to go. There's also the obtuse nature of just like trying to decipher where to go if you're not playing with a guide that probably adds again unnecessary amounts of time to the overall playthrough, and yeah. Hollow Bastion, another good example where for some reason on this world, you can't teleport to different save spots. You have to start at the very beginning from what I understand. I just remember the second time you go back, it's like, oh, I'm at the beginning. I can't like go to the library or something like that or go to like. Is that because it needs you to hit certain cutscene triggers and it doesn't want you to. I don't know. uh, Maybe it's that reason, I guess. but. I remember retracking through Hollow Bastion was like, man, this was confusing the first time I was here. And now I got to like do it all again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fun. Uh, Atlantis also just very way too big and also horribly laid out. The <laughs> yellow tri- When you see something like those yellow tridents, it's like, okay. Someone play tested this and got fucking lost. So they had could to not these, handle it. Yeah, they yeah. had to put up these like traffic signs to show you <laughs> where to go. Literally just giant arrows. It's funny, but yeah. Also, the having to wait sometimes for a dolphin to swim by. Oh, the when dolphin you're not, thing was fucked you're up. Not in combat. That was fucked up. You, ha- you can't yes. be in combat, and then it has to swim by. It's frustrating. Yeah, I don't really like Atlantis. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Before I get into some of the other padding elements of the game, um, you would largely agree, I assume, with the backtracking element? Yeah, I feel like... I, hmm, I'm trying to think. It's it's a combination of, I think, obtuse world design that it's it's confusing to 
sometimes it's like hard to map out the world and understanding how all these rooms are connected because some of the rooms have like random detours and like drop off points that lead to other places and it's like what yes i'm confused Mm -hmm. um and it's the combination of that and sometimes not being able to interact with things during combat that makes it doubly frustrating because it's like i just want to grab the dolphin or like i just want to open this thing or light this thing or Mm -hmm. do whatever and i can't (laughs) that's true like it doesn't give you the option to skip out on the grinding for some parts yeah where yeah you like have to kill enemies to like flip a switch or Mm-hmm. or whatever turn on the light bulb or open the knob or the... yes yeah yeah which is dumb it's because you can't flee there's no flee button in this game there's no no it's not a random encounter <laughs> you can flee from or like a random encounter in dragon quest where it's appearing on the world and you can decide whether or not to engage with it yeah so no options there yeah you're kind of just getting forced into it often Yep. All right. Gummy ships. I want to talk about gummy ships. Is this the mm. is this the final appearance of the gummy ship? No. God damn it. Why? I, However, is, is it different? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um I yeah, this game has the most I think horrendous gummy ship gameplay. <laughs> it's it is like I I did it once the first time I did it. I'm like I don't leave them. This is kind of bad. And then I had to do it again to travel to a new world i'm like oh i'm gonna have to do this every time i travel to a new world and then i went back to traverse town i'm like i'm gonna have to do this every time i fucking travel and then i get the warp drive i'm like oh it's a little better and then yeah (laughs) but yeah it's it's never it's never engaging in any way like no even at like the absolute peak the hardest parts of it i'm like "Uh, this is not even remotely difficult engaging anything i don't I like need it. to tell you i need to tell you there was an experience i had as a child did you mess with it i'm assuming you didn't mess with the gummy ship editor at all do you know about that i thought that was in kingdom hearts 2 i knew it was it a is. thing okay yeah, yeah, yeah it is in kingdom hearts 1 you can you can go to sid in uh traverse town and you can customize you can build your own gummy ship um because some of the, I think from some treasure chests and from some of the things you destroy while in the gummy ship will get you gummy ship parts. Yes. And then you can build your own. Okay. As a child, I was like, oh, I'm going to build a gummy ship. Got into the menus. I got so fucking confused and overwhelmed. I could not handle it. I, whatever half-formed creation I had, I exited out of the gummy ship creator. And then that was my ship that i had equipped and for some reason i couldn't figure out how to get back to swap it back and this gummy ship that i made that i was stuck with for the rest of the game had no guns (laughs) honestly don't need them well towards the end there are some obstacles some like things that you have to like some like giant asteroids that you have to shoot or else you like just run into them and take a shitload of damage okay i guess that's true you do need some so guns. i was struggling <laughs> like i couldn't <laughs> shoot anything oh it was pathetic <laughs> that's funny i didn't realize that yeah because i was unlocking all the like upgrade stuff and i'm like oh okay i guess i will do it if i feel like i need to never once felt like i needed to because it was just always strong enough to do everything but yeah that's fun i like the idea of a gummy ship hard mode you know (laughs) 
Well, it was even more boring because it's like I can't even keep myself entertained I by know. like shooting anything. I, you're just cruising. Mm-hmm. It's like a loading screen, some long ass uh, loading screen. If it was shorter, it would <laughs> be like, oh, that's kind of a neat way to disguise a loading screen. Maybe you just shoot like a couple asteroids and call it good. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It, it's no. It's its own loading screen. <laughs> Um, yeah, I will say that KH2 Gummy Ship is way more engaging. Like, way more engaging. Good. I would have axed it if it was me, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I've played it, like, literally twice, and I said, this should not even be in the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is, this is not adding anything. But, yeah, just another example of, if I tallied up every Gummy Ship run that I had to do, I don't know what that would even be. Uh, like an hour? Maybe. An hour of just gummy ship? Maybe. I think it might could be. be something like that, which is dumb. Yeah. That is dumb. Unskippable cutscenes. This is fixed, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. It, it is fixed in Final Mix, mm-hmm. but in the uh, original version of the game that I raw-dogged my way through, it was... <laughs> I didn't raw dog my way through. I used I never watched a cutscene twice because I had save states, but yeah. Um yeah, just a just another tiny example, but it's fixed, so it's whatever. Uh the enemies respawning thing, I felt like was weird, but like makes sense because you know you gotta give the player the option to grind. So yeah. it's like, well, it's there, but like we mentioned before, whenever it prevents you from interacting with something you need to interact with, it's like, well, yeah, now that changes in it. Kingdom Hearts 2. Okay. Where despite being in combat, you can interact with things still. That's good. That's a, yeah. good, that's a good change. That's a green choice. Yeah. All right, Maureen. Okay. I got, a, I got a JRPG question, philosophical question. Um, how many JRPGs have you played? Like, <sighs> does Pokemon count? Pokemon counts, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, handful of Pokemon games. Pokemon. Some Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts. Some Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts. What else? Anything else? Uh, Does Fire Emblem count? Does Three Houses count? Uh, It's like a tactics game. No, not really. Maybe that's still a JRPG? I'm not sure. Mm, I don't know. Basically, what I want to get at is, is bad pacing par for the course with JRPGs? (laughs) Not like... like Because I feel like the game should be balanced around the the player who is just going to take the battles as they come mm-hmm. move from area to area not grind they're not grinding pretty much at all they're just kind of playing the game on the straight path and it shouldn't be dead easy it should be normal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that's what that should be and hard could be you know i'm going to skip battles easy could be i'm going to grind I feel like that's the mm-hmm. ideal, you know, sort of balancing act that you're shooting for. But I feel like in the recent JRPGs you've made me play, that <laughs> I've kind of got. Well, Final Fantasy X? Final Fantasy X probably would have been better if I played the game how it wanted me to. Because I did yeah. start skipping towards the end and I didn't really engage yeah. with any of the side stuff. But no. Yeah, I know. It was wrong. Problem. It was wrong. <laughs> I admit. I've confessed my sins on the podcast, but I feel like for this game, I was doing what should be a normal difficulty thing, and it was hard. It was very hard. Um, Yeah. 
So I don't know. Um, I mean, I want to take what you have in quotes here, bad pacing. And I want to I wanna tweak the phrasing just a little bit and say slow pacing because bad is a matter of opinion in some in some ways. Well, when we just when we established our credentials earlier and I said I was an absolute okay. authority on all things discussed <laughs> further on this so podcast. So it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say it it's it's a matter of preference because some people don't mind the slow kind of methodical pace that a lot of JRPGs have. Yeah. However, I I am going to agree with you in this case and say that yeah, it does seem like this game has a disrespect of the player's time specifically because of the fact that there's so much backtracking if it was just like kind of like slow but there wasn't backtracking like final fantasy 10 for example yeah yeah that's true then you don't really have a problem with the pacing but backtracking backtracking i think is the thing that detracts from feeling like you're wasting or making you feel like you you're wasting your time or Mm -hmm. whatever I'll give that a big agree and I'll 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 rest I'll rest my case there because I have to pee. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> I yep. considered making a making a joke when I got back that I forgot to hit record, but I thought that that would spike your heart rate too much. So, yeah, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Recording still going good, going strong. Yes, we're going good. Tapping that going mic strong. boom boom boom. That's the microphone. Yeah, everybody. boom boom. All right. Boom boom. Yep. <laughs> okay. Let's uh let's talk about the aesthetics of Kingdom Hearts. So this game sets out to do something fairly strange, not super, I don't know, trodden in games where they're trying to mash together a lot of very disparate IPs with a lot of very dis- disparate art styles. Um and just generally speaking, how well do you feel like it succeeds? Cuz I feel like I mean it's I feel like it succeeds, but and I'm sure you agree, but is there any is there any like art style that you feel like they did not adapt <laughs> as well or um, not in this game? Well, OK, I'm going to be honest. The inside of Monstro was kind of weird. Yeah, that was weird. But I also like bowling seen... alley carpet vibes. <laughs> it was it was weird, but I kind of liked it on its own. And Pinocchio, I think it gets a little trippy, doesn't it? So it's like, yeah, something, but. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you that one. That one's a little weaker. Um, other than that, I think the Disney worlds are pretty strong, and I do love the like quote unquote original worlds so much. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, Destiny Islands, Traverse Town, and Hollow Bastion. Hollow Bastion is my favorite by far. Yeah, let's let's quickly talk about Destiny Islands because it, yeah. I was immediately smitten with Destiny Island. Like the second I saw it, I'm like, I absolutely love everything that I'm looking at. This is like, this is invoking such like a a, a child, a childlike feeling in me being here. It's great. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of like, um, like Neverland and Peter Pan. Like it's, it's just like a kid's dream getaway. Yes. Basically. Yeah. And there's like zip lines. It's like, oh my God. This is crazy. Yeah. A tree house. Tree houses. Yeah. I would have I would have messed around in Destiny Island for a very long time, I imagine. Yeah. As a child. Especially, oh man, I probably would have just like made a new save just to like mess around on there. If I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's one of those things that I like. I'm sure as a kid I would have been like annoyed that I can't go back to Destiny Island. 
from yeah. like the map or something to mess around. I, that's but such I think a that thing. also makes it that also makes it have like so much more oomph. Like when the world gets destroyed, you're like, oh, I can never go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that is such a thing for many games that I played as a kid, where I like grew like a real connection to like the prologue area or like the tutorial world that you can't go back mm-hmm. to. Um, I'm trying to think of what games. Oh, Sly Cooper. I really like that opening section. Yeah. You can't do it yeah, again. The prologue. Yeah. No. That's the, that's, that's the one. That's the one. Where I'm yep. Like, oh, I want to play that level again. And I can't <laughs> for some nope. reason. Nope. Yeah. But anyway, is there any world that you would have liked to have spent more time with or have seen like fleshed out further into a larger area? Hmm. I'm thinking. You know what? No. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with what we got. No, I don't need any more. No. For, I'm full. Thanks. <laughs> I was gonna maybe consider it feels like a cop out, but like the uh the nightmare before Christmas world, I'm like, I just like it a lot. I'd like to be here longer. Yeah. But I feel like, man, they did some cool stuff with the short amount of time we spent with it. Like Yeah, they did. The final boss of just like the big like roulette wheel thing the roulette wheel plus like the the him the scaling him thing yeah yeah it was good i liked it um and maybe maybe their brevity is kind of what adds you know none of them overstay their welcome it feels like Mm -hmm. so i guess that's a plus um one of the one one section i want to just give a shout out to it was early on in the game, but the stained glass section where it's just kind of like a void with all the Disney princesses and the stained glass and stuff like that. There's a staircase in there of stained glass that I'm like, something about this is just very pleasing. That whole area was kind of nice, but it's very mysterious, moody. Yes. Yes. And the there was something about the music in that yeah. area. I think the, the track is called Desktop. Desktop. Destati, Destati. I don't know how you're sp- supposed to emphasize. Put- <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, <laughs> but I know how to spell it. Um, it's there, there's something like I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like a like a choir, and it's yeah. sort of like atmospheric, mm-hmm. and it almost has like like that combined with this stained glass, almost kind of has like a dramatic like religious cathedral feeling yeah. to it. That shit felt biblical. Um, it was yeah it was really cool <laughs> that shit felt catholic <laughs> that was catholic dog um yeah, yeah I, I liked it i gotta say so i'm very impressed with like this game's level of production value and yes. i assume that has to be a little bit of disney money and time and you know i don't know critiques and stuff like that to like really get it to like a very polished level um yeah there's a lot of what I would call Nintendo-like aspects to this game's polish and just, like, the tiniest things. So, like, um, Donald or Goofy or Sora goes to, like, cast a spell or heal somebody. They'll, like, call out their name, even for, like, uh, you know, like the the side characters that come in. They don't just have, like, a generic bark. They call their name, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like Ariel's calling everybody's name and we're calling Ariel's name and that's cool. 
And also for the worlds where Donald and Goofy get Donald, Goofy, and Sora get like re um, modeled to something yeah. that fits that world. So uh, Nightmare, Before, Nightmare Before Christmas and um, Atlantis. Is there another one? Or is it those um, two? Nightmare Before Christmas Atlantis. I think it was just those. It might right? have been just those, which is like. Neat. It's like they got remodeled, but like also like everything down to like their character portraits gets yeah. redone and stuff. And it's like that's like an unnecessary step, but it's like a really like it's noticeable. It's a nice like cherry on top kind of polish that mm-hmm. is like I don't know. I it is appreciated. Um yeah. 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 It's 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 neat. And just top it all off, like just the visual quality of the character models specifically. The Disney characters, I thought was pretty incredible. Like they look really good. Upscaled on I was playing mostly upscaled on the PS2 emulator on the PC, but mm-hmm. uh popping on to the CRT, it's like, yeah, those still look really good. So Yeah, and they still keep the charm of like their original 2D style. Their art I would scene. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's preserved yeah. pretty well. It is, yeah. And the Final Fantasy characters being redone also looked very good. I feel like mm-hmm. honestly the Kingdom Hearts characters were fine, but the least I felt like the least polished of them. Okay. I had some issues with their eyeballs specifically. Okay. <laughs> uh their their yeah. like eye, their iris or whatever was going on there, but also their uh eyelashes. They so like any close up on Sora felt like I was looking at like a weird baby doll. Okay. I just, I can't explain it better than that, honestly. Um, Was it because the faces weren't always fully animated? Because sometimes you get shots where it's like the character is like fully animated. They're like really emoting. And some of them, their like mouths are opening and closing like they're on like Animal Crossing or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is like a standard like bop, like open, closed (laughs) mouth circle whatever i don't know it was the eyes the window to the soul that was really throwing me off okay so and i felt like it was i don't know because it was weird because i you know bounce back between like a disney character during a conversation it's like they look really good and i get to Mm soar and it's like something's off like and i think (laughs) it's the eyes Um, yeah but yeah that also may be due to the fact that i was mostly playing on the the emulator maybe if i took a deeper look on the the CRT where things are more smoothed out and look a little nicer. I did notice there were a lot of like artifacts playing it on the emulator with like text on screen. There's a lot of like just weird stray um, lines and stuff like that. And on the health bar, yeah. there was like a lot of like weird cuts and stuff that definitely would not be visible on a CRT where everything's kind of like smoothed over. As far as the music in the game, I like it i just music fails to really resonate with me in a Mm. like in a way that i'm like i remember this music is just like another it's like an additional thing that's like help helping me feel the like tone and atmosphere of the world and Mm. i kind of overlook it honestly so I remember Traverse Town because I heard it a lot, but and it's cozy feeling. Yeah, it's kind of cozy to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I want to point out for soundtracks, number one, Hollow Bastion, best soundtrack. Love, love that, mm-hmm. th- the music in that level. Um, it's it's so, like, mysterious. Like, the whole entire, like, world is just shrouded in mystery or whatever, and the soundtrack is perfect for that. Also, it has sort of, like, a sophisticated vibe to it, which makes sense because that's, like, where Ansem's research was, and that's where, like, his library and stuff are. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say was that fucking Atlantis pissed me off because it's under the sea nonstop. Oh, yeah, you you're right. escape yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, that that is right. Drove me nuts. Uh, I already kind of asked this question, so I'll just say, Hundred Acre Woods." I thought was a very yes. fun concept. The idea of like walking around on that Winnie the Pooh storybook, where they kind of like lay out. It's so cute. Yeah, it's it's cute. I didn't go back to it after I found like a couple more oh. torn pages, but like past like getting Pooh, helping Pooh not get stung by bees while he's floating up eating some honey. <laughs> Oh yeah, it is frustrating. Some of the mini games are frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yes. So is it just all mini games then? Yeah, that's like the mini game. Okay. World. That's fine. I just thought it was mm-hmm. neat. Like walking around in the storybook, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Because I feel like I remember that page of the book where it like lays out the world yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and it's also kind of a nice break from like the combat because the heartless aren't there. Uh-huh. It's just like a peaceful, like, oh, just come hang out with Winnie Pooh and his friends. And that's the perfect world to have, like, a sweet little, like, mm-hmm. side story where it's, like, slice of life. The beach episode, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> the, the beach game. episode. With Winnie yeah. the Pooh. Yes. Winnie Pooh, put on some trunks. What are you doing? There's children here. <laughs> he just wears the shirt. Yeah. Strange. Um, I love Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh is, like, unironically just, like... <laughs> unironically an inspiration as I, yeah. I, as I think what i was gonna say um yeah. <laughs> there's like you'll you'll like catch your cat you'll catch yourself looking at a winnie the pooh quote and being like damn he gets it <laughs> this this is hitting harder than it should like yeah this is a level of philosophizing that i did not expect from this this like yellow exhibitionist bear I, anytime i think about anytime i think about winnie the pooh i think about how he's not wearing pants um okay <laughs> that's an essential part of winnie the pooh um but yeah 100 acre woods very cool does it return yes okay and i'm not okay the the 100 acre woods experience in kingdom hearts 2 has always made me cry oh, <laughs> oh. it makes me cry oh <laughs> Uh, it's it's such it's it because it speaks to like how like the love i had for winnie the pooh growing up and also that feeling of like growing older and then the thing you loved so much as a kid staying the same i don't know how to how else to explain it but it 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 punches me in the heart somehow okay yeah (laughs) okay we'll get to it eventually i'm like bearing my soul okay that's neat (laughs) i think it's neat um, I don't know when we'll get to it. Apparently, we got to play Rechain of Memories first, but um, and I'm sorry for that. I am truly sorry. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe next year, yeah, we'll do Kingdom Hearts Summer. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got one final question for you. A little, little accusatory, but 
Oh, wow. Okay. I need to know, be honest with me. As a mm-hmm. child, you mm-hmm. 100% were obsessed with Kingdom Hearts or uh, Halloween Town Sora, right? Uh, you know, I want to say yes. However. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> yeah. However, there was a character that I was way more obsessed with um, that is not in this game. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he is in Chain of Memories. All right. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Morgan, maybe this is a spoiler. Maybe I shouldn't ask it. But in all of these Kingdom Hearts, these these other games, the future games, I see a lot of a lot of anime boys with black robes. Are they bad? Mm-hmm. Are they good? Are they both? Perhaps. What's the deal with them? Because I see those black robes and I think handsome. But yeah. maybe that's not the case. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. I can't. I can't think of a way to phrase it. This is not spoiling everything. So I guess I just won't answer. <laughs> hey, that's fine. That's fine. All right, Morgan. Unless you got more. That's it. Nope. All right. I don't got anything else. That was Kingdom Hearts, everybody. All right. So let's get into our recommendation section. Where can you play this game? If you're looking to play the the original, then I guess you're limited to PS2 and PCSX2. Um, and for most people, I would recommend the emulator just because of the the pacing, the the difficulty that I, we mentioned before. But um, mm-hmm. this might not even be the version to play. Morgan, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you pitch uh, why they should just a I don't know bullet point list or, or just off the top of your head why Final Mix or 1.5 either one is the better version to be playing. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I say that you're going to want to go with 1.5. The reason why I say don't do final mix is well, I mean if if English is your primary language. Oh yeah, um, that's right. You, I forgot. If you try to <laughs> if you try to emulate final mix on uh PC SX2, all the text is going to be in Japanese. And that will make things a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so 1.5 is going to give you all the extra content that is part of final mix but in English 100%. Um, and also with 1.5, you also get re-chain of memories and you get, I think, all of the cutscenes from, is it recoded? Not that anyone really gives a shit about that game because <laughs> it is kind of pointless, okay. but it's there. But yeah, so you're basically getting like two games in one. Um, and you get the fixes with the camera and like the triangle button instead of having to like scroll down to the bottom of the menu to do actions. And it's it's just uh, probably the best experience of of KH1. All right. Yep. And that's on PS3, PS4 and everything above. Mm-hmm. It's also on Switch and stuff now, right? Don't don't do this. Don't do the Switch version. It streams. It's that's right. It's the cloud version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it on Xbox now, too? Yes, it is. Okay, so it's on the Xbox platforms now, too. So, perfect. All right. Morgan, I'm not going to ask you if you recommend this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess, you, I guess yes. I mean, unless you want to. Yeah, come to, my, come to my philosophy lectures every Tuesday when we talk about <laughs> Kingdom Hearts lore. Yeah. Um, this is not meant to be like, 
you know, I'm not bringing, I'm not trying to bring balance to the force here. I'm just being genuine, being honest with myself. Um, would I recommend this game? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. If you ask me, go back in time and talk to yourself before you played this game, assuming you're not playing it for the podcast, in which case you have to play it. You're contractually obligated to play it. <laughs> but um, if I'm just like going to recommend myself something to do for 20 hours, I would say, Clayton, from the past, I don't know if this one's for you, man. I gotta be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. You know, maybe, maybe we'll get to a later Kingdom Hearts and I'll be like, okay, it's clicking better. and now I think it's worth, you know, it's worth the the hump of maybe this first game to get to the the later stuff. But I got to be honest, I like it and I get why people like it. Definitely. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm the type of person that is built to maximally enjoy this game. Towards the yeah. end, stuff started clicking in a way that it wasn't throughout the game. But up until that point, there were... It was kind of a grind a little bit for me to just keep going, but yeah, for um. me, Kingdom Hearts 2 is my favorite game in the entire franchise mm-hmm. and has like always been my, I guess, my first, my first choice, my first love, first love in the franchise. Yep. So to me, Kingdom Hearts 1, it's like the, the only reason why I would want people to play it is so they can get, they can get introduced to the other titles in kingdom hearts that i think are better experiences or like better optimized in terms of like combat mechanics and stuff yeah i mean so when we get to it i'll have a better idea on how i feel about the series i don't want to judge the series based off the first game but well i think rechain i don't know (laughs) i feel so bad oh my god it's so bad (laughs) That's okay. I like bad uh, games. Okay. It, it's not... Let me clarify. It Maybe it is bad. I don't know. The rechain of memories breaks my brain. I just... <laughs> I'm too stupid. And you'll know... You'll understand. Once you experience it, you'll be like, oh, I, I can see why she was saying that she was too stupid mm-hmm. to do this. And I'm like, because maybe. it's too much. It's too I mean, much. we are the podcast that put <laughs> Shulip in B tier on our ranking, so... <laughs> That's true. I think B tier. I can't remember. Probably B tier. Um. Anyway. Yeah, well, I'll see. I'll see. Uh, Morgan, the future of mm. Kingdom Hearts. Um, so normally we ask if the game we're playing needs or deserves or whatever should get a remake, a remaster or whatever. Um, this game obviously already has one. And I'm curious, Morgan, in your opinion, is the current newest, the, the current most complete state of Kingdom Hearts 1, which is, I guess, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 Remix. Is that, in your opinion, as good as Kingdom Hearts 1 needs to be? Can this just be the version going forward? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. Because there's nothing about the way it is that, that is... I guess like holding it back at this point because the, like I like we kind of talked about um, the 1.5 version smooths over like some of the clunkier things like being unable to skip cutscenes and again um, remapping the action to the triangle button um, yeah and you know fixing the camera controls making them a little bit less strange um, 
yeah, I, I don't think that it needs a from the ground up remake. I think it can be appreciated as much as it should be just as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm glad we got these game developers. They're too busy anyway. They can't be tasked with a <laughs> Kingdom Hearts remake at this at this time. Yeah. So that's cool. And I feel like its art style is something that will hold up for a very long time. I guess indefinitely, honestly, because it's yeah. not all photorealism. It's very stylized. It's mm-hmm. it's good. All right, Morgan, are you excited for what's coming next in the series, Kingdom Hearts Four? I don't know. I'm just kind of like because I was big, kind of on the Kingdom Hearts Three hype. And then I was sort of like a little confused because I wasn't keeping up with the series as well as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So There's like a bunch of lore stuff that was kind of throwing me off in the third one. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of let it speak for itself without me imposing any sort of expectation or anything on mm-hmm. it. So that's where I'm at. That's cool. I'm I'm excited for you to have a Kingdom Hearts 4. I'm excited for you to witness Sora in photorealistic Tokyo, Japan. He's a real boy. Yeah. yeah. Shibuya. Shibuya. That's yeah. going to be his new catchphrase. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would cringe. I'd be like, oh, you know what? No, thank you. Okay. No, thank you. And that's that's Kingdom Hearts. All right, Morgan. Yes. Next game. What is our next game, Morgan? Our next game. Oh, boy. I'm so excited. It is Neopets, the darkest fairy. Fairy. Spelled weird. So I'm going to pronounce it weird. Is that the correct um, spelling or did I get it? That is the British or the UK English. The, okay. The whatever, whatever that brand of English is called, that spelling. English 1.0, it. I like to call it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No updates, no patch, no patches on it. No. <laughs> so cool. This is an important game from your childhood. Um, I actually. Yes, and Claire's childhood. And Claire's childhood. I actually have with me the copy that I will be playing, which is. <gasps> The handmade, I'm showing it to you like I'm showing it to the audience. I'll take a picture and put it on the video. Yeah, you have to show the podcast. Them. But this is a uh, handmade <laughs> cover art for yes. The Darkest Fairy, drawn by our very own Morgan for my wife uh, when they were children. And yes. <laughs> it is uh, what I assume. What's the story behind this? It's just like a DVD case or whatever, and you bought the game from GameStop without a case. Yeah, so the game from GameStop came in one of those like little paper plastic yeah. sleeve things, and I had an extra case. I don't remember what from. I think, you know how some of the GameStop cases, they didn't have the game art on them. They were just like a blank looking yes. thing that just had like the game. It had like a generic like, like print yeah, thing on yeah. it. Yeah. I had an extra case that was just like one of those generic ones. So I pulled that out. And so I had like the the game case with like the plastic sleeve and stuff. So I I cut a piece of paper to fit around it. And then I drew. I think I drew that in pen. Yeah, I think. I think it's pencil. Oh, is it pencil? Yeah, it's pencil. I tried to make it as clean as possible with my with my child drawing skills. So I mean, it gets the point across. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is very close to the cover. It is uh, the only PS2. So I'm currently like selling a lot of like frivolous things that I own. Mm-hmm. And one of them is actually the, the 
I own all PS2 games that we play on the show, but I'm currently selling yeah. <laughs> all the PS2 games that I've already played, not the ones that we're going to play. I'm still keeping those, um, obviously, because yeah. how else would I play yeah. them if I didn't have the disc? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the uh, this is the only PS2 game that I'm going to be keeping. This is it. Oh, wow. Yeah, because... Well, I appreciate that. I mean, this is the rarest thing I own. Can you imagine I put this on yeah. eBay? <laughs> <laughs> I think someone would enjoy, like, I don't know, be like, maybe. Oh, oh damn, <laughs> maybe one of a kind. I don't know. Yeah, maybe this podcast gets big enough in the PS2 market. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna be playing this version of the game with the guide that you created. Oh my god, I almost forgot about the guide. Oh, it probably has like so much stupid like. I wonder if it has like any inside jokes between like me and Claire in it. Oh man. I mean, we'll see. And I forgot about that. If I can't beat the game because of the guide, I'm going to blame the guide writer. Is it a, do you know if it's a 100% like not 100% but like through the main story? It it is I think so. I remember I wonder if you got like lazy toward the end or something. That would be funny. I did. <laughs> I did get lazy toward the end. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm trying to remember. I remember this is like unlocking like deep memories that I haven't thought about for such a long time. There's um, a section called the Oubliette, which is like a like a one of the more complicated dungeons. And I remember getting to that part being like, fuck, I don't want to explain this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so I remember kind of slacking on that part, but I don't remember after that point. I got to ask Claire is going to make an appearance on this episode. So, yeah. She'll be she'll be here to recount some stuff, but Yeah, it's it's going to be a very so we're going from covering the one of the biggest PlayStation 2 games of all time mm-hmm. to one of I don't know if it's underrated. I don't know. It was big, right? Think, it was fairly big. I think it's sold. It, it sold actually probably well, did I think. sell kind of well. Because Neopets was kind of big at the time. So, yeah. But, you know, not something with any relevance today is what I guess what I would say. Um, right? Um, Neopets is hanging on. It's hanging on. I play it every day still. But I feel like if you talk to just a man on the street and said, Yeah. When did Neopets die? They would say, It's been dead since. 2008 or something like that maybe and then you have to tell them no it's still alive he's actually right behind you (laughs) (laughs) i i do also want to request if you find any like hilariously poorly written or like funny lines in the guide will you please tell me because this is you have the key into my psyche Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with this guide And I don't remember anything in it, so oh, man. you have to tell me what it's like. I wonder if I could make a video series out of forcing Claire to play through the game with that guide. I don't know. With that guide. I don't know if that guide's going to be any help. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've yeah. played a little bit of this game. It's, uh, I played like that opening section, I think. Mm-hmm. Pick, so I like got a sword from the attic or whatever that was yeah 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 so it's uh, mostly a new experience for me it's a little long so we'll see Mm -hmm. if we have to pull a little donald duck going quackers again hopefully not (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
I'm going to try to avoid that happening. Um, yeah. But yeah, well. I don't think it'll take you as long as Kingdom Hearts because it's not hard. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll find out next time. Next time. On Analog Stick. Thank you for yep. listening to this episode. Uh, please support the podcast by leaving a review or rating on whatever platform you like to listen on. Subscribe or follow to stay up to date with what games we're playing and share the show with a friend who loves this generation of video games. Write in with any questions or feedback to analogsticmail at gmail.com or leave a comment on YouTube or Spotify. If you just want to, you know, reach out to us, tell us we're doing a good job. <laughs> Give us a little bit of encouragement. Uh, yeah. Any anything that'd be that'd be nice. That'd be kind. Uh, please no comments that this episode is too long. It can't possibly be too long. What is it? Four hours? That's not that long, you baby. <laughs> you big baby. You can't watch a four hour podcast. You got responsibilities. <sighs> okay. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.